The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Happy Thanksgiving And welcome to Keeping it strong style The Ace of Podcast On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Dobbin here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll review historic crossover with Rich Latta and James Boyd and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping a Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and clicking the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.US today for details. Young boy, Thanksgiving week, man. You ready for, for the day? Yeah, I'm ready for Thanksgiving, and I'm ready for uh, right now where I'm going to... Um Pour one out for the working man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> take a shot, take a sip for the, the working man. Yeah, because we got these things called gimmicks called or <laughs> we got these gimmicks called bills, and they don't stop sending them. So you know, I, I haven't listened. Does he even still do a podcast? Don't cold. Honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> you know that like literally was um aside from like One Nation Radio, I didn't really listen to too many other like professional wrestling podcasts. I used to always listen to stone cold, but it seemed like he, uh, after a while, he just kind of ran out of like old guests to like talk to, you know? Yeah. I think like at one point it was, it's a bunch of like best of <laughs> stone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I used to love his show, man. Dude, I, so I I, every, every, I think it was like twice a week. It was like Tuesday and Thursday. I listened to, yeah. all like stone cold, like JR, like the first two I listened to. And yeah, stone cold was like, Hilarious, funny. Yeah, they had to guess. I listened to JR. It was, uh, you know, it's not that great, honestly. <laughs> at, at the beginning, it was, but then, like, kind of the same thing, like, kind of got phased out. And then I think he switched over to, like, the Conrad verse. And yeah. I like Jericho's podcast. I know, I know you kind of got him on mute, but you know why I like Jericho's? Because he has these crazy conspiracy theorists come on. 
that uh, talk about I was in the Jericho's. Oh, you told me that you muted it a while back. No, I've never muted Jericho. I was listening to this. I thought you like took him out of the rotation for Oh a while. no, Jericho's always has always been on. I could have sworn. I don't know. But uh <laughs> you know, I don't listen to all of his, but uh I like when he like I like when he has like all right, who are these guys? Like Jericho <laughs> clearly doesn't know who they are. Yeah. And they're like and they're from some fringe website that nobody's ever heard of. And they're like, I'm gonna tell you why the devil and the lizard people are running America's government. <laughs> He's like, Yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> but first we need to talk to HelloFresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my jam. I, I love that stuff. But um, you're not here to listen to that. You're here to listen to us talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling X Stardom. Um, as you are probably aware, we will be having Rich Latta and James Boyd on the show with us today. Uh, I think that's a keeping a strong style first. We've never done a show with all four of us on an episode of keeping a strong style, but um, we're going to cut to that here in just a moment where we will dual record the section of the show that we do together. And then we will close out the rest of this episode with the dynamic duo. That's right. So yeah, so a fun episode. Yeah, first time uh, keeping a strong style. Yeah, all four of us, the, the four pillars of social suplex uh, coming together. Yeah, some might say we're like the EVPs. <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of business, actually, since we're on the the subject, and I'm, this is probably a good segue. Um, believe it or not, I had to disclose my business dealings with social suplex and keeping it strong style to FINRA because I am pursuing my financial, you know, licensing. Mm-hmm. And if you have any sort of um, outside venture or endeavor, no matter what it is, if you get any sort of monetary gain from a reoccurring, you know, gig, a job, then, and not that this is like a job job, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, but like <laughs> you have, you have to tell them about it. If hypothetically you didn't disclose your outside business dealings that is uh and they discover whatever it is it, it, it doesn't even have to be financially based it can be like you can literally be a valet you know parking cars on the weekend and if you don't tell them that and they find out you could lose your license you know mm-hmm. so you don't it's not even like that you have to get approval but you have to disclose it so they're aware of it right yes and can't work oh good can't work yeah them. yeah you can't work them at all like it's you gotta peel back the uh you know the curtain and let them know what's going on. So I had to uh, do a Q and a question and answer for my U4 form today. And they were like, what is this business? <laughs> Describe in brief detail the nature of what it is you do. A three hour podcast. So we cover <laughs> pure. I was, I was like, it is a Japanese professional wrestling podcast. It in no way conflicts with and, and has nothing to do with any finance. I give no financial advice on any. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, it, it's always funny. Like trying to explain what we do to like non wrestling fans, whether it's like for business stuff or just like random people in our lives. Uh, that's that's on you, bro. I never tell anybody about this podcast. Well, I, I'm trying to get the downloads <laughs> increase. I don't care if they're they're fans or not. I'm trying to get these downloads. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um that's funny. Um yeah, but I had to tell them, you know, basically what was, you know, what we do and everything like that and yeah, so 
the good folks over at FINRA and the SEC are now aware of keeping a strong <laughs> style and the Social Suplex Podcast Network. They were like physical location of the business. And I was like, there is no physical location per se. <laughs> In the cloud. <laughs> I, I should have just sent them your home address. <laughs> <laughs> no, the location is the hearts of souls of the wrestling fans. But why that's a good segue uh, here in a little bit, obviously you guys are probably aware World Tag League is going on as well as Super Junior Tag League. And this is usually the time of the year where me and Jeremy kill ourselves um, to provide you the highest level of coverage when it comes to the World Tag League for what is is this going to be our sixth year running covering Tag League? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there, I got to tell you guys, number one, um, I am literally about to test for one of my licenses. Uh, I'm sure if you're a longtime listener, you recall when I did this back in June for one of my other uh, licenses, this is an even bigger and harder test. And that is coming up literally smack dab right in the middle of World Tag League. So suffice to say, most of my attention is going to be focused on studying as opposed to the exploits of Catch-22 and <laughs> Aussie Open, as much as I would like for it to be. Um, we, we're we still going to cover it here on the show. I will be gone next week. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be out of town um, on vacation for from, from Thursday to Tuesday, which is literally in the middle of a seven back-to-back night you know extravaganza world tag league and the reality is even if i came back to do the show with jeremy we push it back a day there's no way between family time and travel and study that i'm going to be able to actually watch and devote all the time to these shows now we will still be covering it and i still will be discussing it with jeremy but the reality is no one else in the space is going to be giving the same kind of time and attention to, to these shows that me and Jeremy normally do. So it's not feasible for us to bring in guests. And, um, you know, after six years of like going hard for this shit, I can't remember one time where someone like really cared. <laughs> I really loved your night nine world tag league <laughs> coverage, war machine, killer elite squad. You, you had that breakdown. Archer put the claw on. The show's been going really good, but that, that, week uh that stretch of week three of world tag league where you guys were talking about the best friends versus uh you know god <laughs> that was a high point for your coverage like no one's ever said that stuff to us so um chances are just being a little transparent most of i'll try to watch the shows and obviously we're probably only going to watch the like tournament matches but i might be hitting fast forward I might be reading a 411 mania <laughs> if they're even doing them. Um, you know, I might be reading some cage match. I'm going to do the best I can. But uh, I think after six years of like total dedication to, uh, you know, to New Japan Pro Wrestling, I think we're, des- I think we deserve to have the smallest of breaks when it comes to coverage, especially since. I don't know, man. I got the feeling that at the end of this tournament, they're just going to shoehorn like the Young Bucks into one of these finals anyway. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, there's a lot wrong with it, but, you know, it's like we spend all this time watching this shit and, you know, devoting all this coverage and 
giving people the breakdown of what, you know, the standings after, you know, plus they're not making it easy on us anyways. They literally got all 17 shows packed in a three-week period. It's like seven shows one week, six shows the next week, and then five shows the next. It's crazy. It's a a pretty daunting schedule when you look at it, but... Yeah. This is the most daunting schedule I think they've ever had for any tournament since we've ever covered New Japan. It's yeah. almost like they don't want us to cover it. <laughs> They're trying to test us. The real <laughs> so, test. With that being said, me and Jeremy, we're going to do our best, but most of my attention, honestly, is going to be, and I'm, and this is understandably so. I mean, you know, you guys can have it one of two ways. I could just not be on the show, just go go into the world of finance and live a life of luxury and plush. <laughs> You know, <laughs> or I could slum it with you, you dopes here on this show <laughs> talking about Shinya. It's up to you. Why not both? <laughs> I mean, honestly, if it, in, a, in a perfect world, we would get a sponsorship that would pay us, you know, an exorbitant amount of money to provide the top tier. So as soon as you said top tier, you froze. <laughs> top tier level of coverage for New Japan Pro Wrestling. See, someone's trying to, uh, you know, basically make me botch right then and there. You know, they're trying to sabotage me. It's a conspiracy. So <laughs> that's what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll do our best for, for coverage. I don't, don't know exactly what the game plan is for next week, but there definitely will be a show and there will be coverage going throughout uh, this tournament. Uh, another housekeeping thing, our year-end awards ballot will be coming up soon. If you've been a long-time listener, you know, usually around this time, usually this week, we will drop a bonus episode announcing the nominees and the categories and start getting the ballots out there. But also with Historic Crossover being the last show in the voting period, that kind of bumped us back a schedule on what we would normally do stuff, so... We're going to be working on getting the categories and nominees together. The ballot should be going out around uh, December 8th, the bonus episode. And then you guys will have all of December to vote for the awards. And we will announce the winners probably that second episode of January 2023. So be on the lookout for that. If you voted in the past and when you gave your email, you will get an email from us uh, with the link to uh, this year's ballot. And also be look out for it on social media. Share it with all your wrestling groups, wrestling friends, and you know, help us get those votes out when that ballot is live. Yeah, if you're a longtime listener, you know exactly what these awards are, and you've probably participated. And if you didn't, you probably kick yourself in the, you know, shin every year and say, "Damn, I wish I would have got my ballot in." Well, this is your chance. And for those of you that are new to, you know, new listeners and are unaware of what it is, we have uh, probably one of the most broad and robust. Uh, list of categories for year-end awards for New Japan. We know firsthand that the company does pay attention to this type of award thing. It's something that is very much in the uh, you know the sight lines of management with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So it is a big deal, and it's you know typically primarily the voices of the Western audience when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And um, I've sent out a tweet earlier this week regarding this. Uh, let me yeah. So the grading period is. November 14th, 2021 to November 20th, 2022. And uh, so just so it makes sense, we typically start our uh, category when World Tag League starts, and then we end it as the next year's World Tag League is beginning. So uh, for instance, Historic Crossover, that marks the end of this year 
for the grading criteria and the grading period. So that did make the cut. We're going to, uh, me and Jeremy, we'll go through, we'll, you know, um, categorize all the different um, categories and we, we nominate who we believe is the most deserving to be in those categories. And then we leave it to a public vote. That's you to, you know, participate, share this, get the word out there, help us to grow uh, these awards. It's one of the things we take most seriously for what we do here, keeping it strong style. And then we do awesome audio. And I believe um, we haven't locked it down, but I believe we're going to have another special guest this year to help us do the rundown of the nominees and kind of get the word out there. So uh, look, look forward to that and look out for when we finally make that public and you guys get a chance to uh, let your voices be heard. Yeah. So now we're going to throw it over to our segment with Rich and James to cover historic crossover. All right. Welcome to this special Keeping a Strong Style One Nation Radio simulcast of a review of historic crossover. You're either listening to this live right now on Twitch or on the Keeping a Strong Style feed or the One Nation Radio feed or the Social Suplex Podcast Network feed. (laughs) One of them. Several places. You can't miss it. (laughs) You're going to get this work, a a smart man once said. Go ahead and subscribe on all of them. Download on all of them. Give to all of them. You know, show support for your boys. Uh, But yeah, we're going to talk about historic crossover, the big New Japan and stardom pay-per-view that happened this weekend. Of course, here with young boy Josh Smith, Rich Lata, as uh, Joe Lanza (laughs) likes to say, and (laughs) James Boyd. What is going on, folks? Uh, It has been a long time since uh, I've joined Keeping It Strong Style. I'm very happy to be back. we're talking about uh like of course we've been uh kind of on this stardom coverage since like 2019 i feel like we kind of um you know have earned our stripes a little bit in on that side at least to come represent um you know rossi's gang uh here <laughs> and um you know james what's going on man not too much, not too much. Um, we had a whole gag set up. I think the first time I came on uh, for keeping a strong style was like when the news first broke or whatever. And I, I made some joke about um, like when I come back, when I have theme music, because uh, I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I have an idea of what's going to happen here. Um, and it pretty much came to fruition. Like, like obviously, uh it wasn't as a com- as competitive of a card. Like once you put Muto and Yano on it, like third from the top, you already know, like they're not really, you know, all that serious, but um, like I had, like uh, I had rich James, you might be muted by, by I am not muted. I, I'm, I'm okay. hearing him. Okay. I, hear yeah. him. I guess the stream is like, y'all can't hear James. Um, that is strange. Go ahead. Continue James. All right. Well, um, so, like, I, I, I had an idea this was going to happen. I figured they were going to have a great show, and it was going to be a lot of uh, stardom doing the greatness. And I was like, okay, so uh, I figured, you know, like, as a joke, we were going to come back. Like, we did the review. Like, I was going to, like, do, a you know, almost like a victory lap type of thing. And, like, Rich is going to, like, almost like uh, be like a hype man and throw and throw to interest music. Like, not interest music. I'm not a wrestler. But, like, like theme music, whatever else. So, uh, for a minute, I was like, all right, I don't know what this music will be. Uh, is it going to be something original? What is it going to be? Uh, and I was like, well, it has to be something original because otherwise it would be a copyright claim. So, um, I ended up 
uh, every so often go on this uh, website. Long story short, or uh, YouTube page, basically like it's a marching, marching black marching bands for HBCUs, and like I, I found something I thought was cool. I sent it to Rich and said, like, what can you do? What What do you think you could flip out on this? And he made this incredible beat, and um, like for some reason we can't get the audio to play for y'all. Like we'll throw it in post for y'all or whatever else. But like the whole joke was that like, we we're just going to talk rich. Me and Rich going to talk mad shit for like a minute and a half. Like while this music was, why this, while these fucking trumpets <laughs> and, and, and tubas and uh, trombones are going to blur out, but it didn't happen. Unfortunately, it, it, it sounds like you had nefarious intentions, but nefarious God intention. Yeah. You were trying to dunk on, on Shinihan. And God stepped in the way and prevented you from taking your victory lap. That's what happened I didn't here. do so much the dunking as much as Mayu Iwatani did the dunking. But <laughs> if you say so, um, but like, keep in mind, like you can you go through the times I've been on uh, keeping the strong style ever since this thing has happened. I was like, hey, man, it's it's they're not start of is not the company to, or the promotion to come out here and like half ass it like they're going to get they're going to like they're going to present something that you're going to be like very impressed by and like, will new Japan, like just treat it as, Oh, this was, was women's wrestling, whatever else. And get fucking, uh, embarrassed. And, um, they went out there with the best pro wrestler in the world, uh, in the sign main event and went out there and had an emotional story of the, the fucking main event ref sons getting his brains beat in. And they got floored emotionally. They didn't have a fucking chance. So, yeah, like that's where I was coming from. I I, I warned you. You were forewarned. So well, I, I guess we might as well play it for the people that are on the stream at least. Um, they they can hear uh, what was sent through. So I am pulling it up uh, right now, and let's get it going. And this is where post I'll add it in or whatever else. I'm sure Jeremy, you made some um, edit notes on where to. Yeah, I got a mark, so yeah, so yeah. Hey, it's another podcast feed. They'll, they'll be hearing it. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, <laughs> you know live live stream. You can see Rich cranking. Yeah, music. I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, it, it, the the horns sound like vidry, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, let's start talking about this show because uh, it's a little bit yeah, late here. And, and yeah, it's super late. I think we're in very different uh, opinions of what we saw on this show, but I'm glad that I'm back here on Two Nation Radio. That's all I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> the show inside the show. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm thinking we can go, uh, we don't have to give like super in-depth stuff on some of like the, nah. the pre-show undercard stuff and kind of breeze nah, through that's, that that's stuff. Pretty, that's pretty quick. Yeah, so... Uh, starting off, we had two uh, pre-show matches. So, first match was the LA Dojo team of the Android Alex Coughlin, while Rhino Clark Connors, Gabriel Kidd, and the Jet Kevin Knight defeating the Noge Dojo team of Kosei Fujita, Oscar Libre, Ray Oiwa, and Yuto Nakashima. Nine minutes and thirty-nine seconds. Uh, pretty much, this was the LA Dojo like picked up where they were left off in 2019, smoking the Noge Dojo, running these boys. <laughs> Out the Ariaki Arena, so, some might say they smoked on the pack because they, <laughs> they they killed those boys. They fucked them up so bad. <laughs> you know, Shibata <laughs> Dojo better than the Funky Dojo. Like, I I mean, they gave uh, was Lubeck 
That's last last name. How do you pronounce? I don't know how to pronounce. Dude, I've heard like yet. three or four different ways. People. That's have. why I'm asking. Nobody knows. <laughs> um, okay. Well, anyway, the the very tall, very pale uh, guy. He um he impressed with the size and speed uh, yeah. combination, but ultimately he was overwhelmed by the numbers game uh, from from LA Dojo, and they put his they put his ass away with a comp with a tandem muscle buster. Uh, yeah. And then Coughlin got the pin. That was that was impressive. Yeah, that was you know, Cogl- Coughlin's ripped to shreds, man. Yeah, that was Coughlin and um, Gabe Kidd. That's their new tag finisher. They are in the World Tag League, so they were kind of you know building those guys up for that tournament. That- yeah, man. I, I just got one thing to say about this. Uh, there was Kazushiko Okada, and then there was Kevin Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a great uh, interview on NJTV1972.com uh, where uh, Shibata talks about. Um, just how great Kevin Knight's dropkick is and how much money it's going to be. So, yeah. There was also Kevin Knight and Yuto Nakashima mirror match, but only the hair, specifically. <laughs> Correct. I saw that. I was like, man, I was like, these two gentlemen with these same uh, hair, hair textures, this is uh, yeah. quite quite amusing. One's naturals, one is very much not so. <laughs> Need to stop. Uh, we had but, s- um, some quick questions here. Um, Ocock890 says, do you think the LA Dojo guys will become their own faction or do you guys think they become more involved in New Japan? They'll join different factions. Uh, also, MJSPR says, how did Oscar Lube look in his debut? And Stone Cold Bob Saget says, DKC sucks. That's my question. <laughs> well, first off, I'll start off. DKC does not suck. I think he's got some uh, bad gimmickry, but he does not suck. Um, Lube, very impressed. Like the, the whole time I was seeing him get his shine, I was just thinking like, there's money in this guy right here. Um, there's, they got to refine him, but I think they got money there. And, um, an LA dojo faction is death for anybody that's in it because where are you going to go? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they'll ever like really have a top star. So like the boys dead on arrival as Josh was saying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could see them doing some kind of faction. I mean, they, they kind of teased that. They were teasing that in 2019 when they were doing this whole No Gay Dojo, LA Dojo rivalry. And then on New Japan Strong, um, you know, you had the, the LA Dojo against the United Empire rivalry last year. Um, so it does seem like they're going in that direction on their nameplates. It still says LA Dojo, even though Connors, Kid, and Coughlin have all graduated from the dojo. So, yeah, I think that's the direction they're going in. And yeah, Oscar, I thought he looked great. You know, he started training in the Fale Dojo. Um, but then the pandemic happened. He had to go back to Germany, wrestled for WXW, and now he's back here in the Noge Dojo. So yeah, I think more training and an excursion. This guy's gonna be money. Uh to me, he looks like he's ahead of Hikaleo. Um or will be. Like he looks like he's uh, more instinctual like than when I first saw Hikaleo. So um, we'll see. How tall exactly is he? Um, I don't know. He no. looked he looked at like a good like six ten almost probably. Yeah, but you gotta remember the like, LA Dojo's ain't exactly the tallest in the world. So like, is he is he really six ten or is he like six seven? I think I think Coughlin and them are like six two. He's tall. Okay. Okay. Coughlin is taller than Connors. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, uh, following that, we had the Stardom Rambo where Marai outlasted the, the crew there to win this uh, Rambo. Uh, really fun matchup here. What did you guys think about this? Did you, was anybody in there that you expected not to be in there? Or it was kind of who you were expecting. 
Um, it was more or less your standard starting roster of the people that weren't like highlighted higher on the on the card. Um, so it's pretty much everybody else's uh on the main roster is <laughs> is in. Um and then they did the double thing where they did Saida goes out and she comes back and she's super st- strong starting machine, which is a, a uh a carryover joke from No People Gate in 2020 when they had a battle royal. Um and she came out three times. She's like the three faces of Ida. Uh so so yeah, um they they run that out every every about once a year doing rumble Rambos. Like they probably do like two Rambos a year. So um this is this is a time to do it. Um but yeah, uh Mariah, she came out first. I thought when I when I first looked at who was, you know, didn't get put on the main card and I saw Rambo, like who was most likely or who I thought most likely win, I thought it would be her. She came out first, which is a good sign. And she ended up getting the win. Um, she ended up going down the closing stretch with uh the final two with her and Ida dress as super strong starter machine. And they clobbered each other and then ultimately Mariah got the uh the win with the Mariah Sh- Mira Mira, sorry, uh Miramari Shock. And um yeah, I I I, I think it's right winner. Um, as far as stardom rambos go, it was the best one they've done. Like they've had some really wacky ones. Um, some really wacky ones. Uh they had one in Budokan Hall that was terrible. So um you know, you know how, how I am when it comes to starting. Like, just don't embarrass me. <laughs> so, they didn't embarrass me. They had the standard, you know, normal Rambo and they and they got on with it. From from like a novice slash rookie fans perspective, I thought that this was a pretty good Rambo. Um, I thought that it was better in many respects than most of New Japan's Rambos that we've seen. And even though it was a little bit difficult to follow, uh, or you know, because there's so many new characters kind of being presented all at one time. I mean, I kind of got the gist of what they were going for and kind of the background of the characters. I thought it was a good way to get the girls on the show and kind of familiarize, you know, some of the other audience with who they were and kind of showcase them just a little bit. And, um, you know, it was fun. It was, it wasn't like a great match or anything, no. but it was fun and it told a kind of cool story and, you know, it, it definitely didn't overstay its welcome. A couple of kind of visual things to look at on there. Like when you saw uh, Hannon in there with her two sisters, like they're going to be running this thing in a couple years. And it's going to be like the two sisters around Hannon is going to be pretty funny. Uh, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, Saki Kashima, a, a woman who has made peace with her lot in life with four eliminations here. Uh, <laughs> you know, always love when Saki Kashima comes out here and, and shocks the world. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Hazuki was in there. So I, I, I was pleasantly surprised when I saw Hazuki. So. Yeah, so I also learned who Waka was through this match. <laughs> oh, okay. Waka. So, you found, so you finally saw the King of New York. That's finally know who Waka is. <laughs> yeah, so um, like Waka is... <laughs> for lack of a better word she is cosmic angels mascot yeah um like she has yet to win a match in stardom she's been around for uh about probably over a year now at this point <clears throat> um and like they put her in in, in trios matches or you know, faction matches and like she's obviously gonna the person's gonna eat the pin she hasn't won yet but like you you can get great near falls of crowd reacts out of her having big kickouts, out of big moves and stuff, and like keep the match going. And like you want to see her get the win, get her first woman, and you're also like, well, what happens when she gets it? Or is the crowd going to react to her? You wonder how that's going to go. Like she's adorable and all that kind of stuff, and she has pluck. But um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it worked anyway. for cheeseburger and it worked for Hama. <laughs> you know what you're right you're, you're i didn't even think about it from that perspective but you're right uh you're right so yeah maybe 
I think it's gonna happen this year, but I just wonder, like, you know, what right time and place whenever that happens. Uh, but um, yeah, like, you know, they brought all they brought Oedo Tai in, they brought stars in, and then um, like when Shock Saki came out, Saki, and there was a bunch of people that hadn't been eliminated. I was like, oh, she's gonna clear this, she's gonna clear this bitch out, and sure enough, like, flash crucifix pin, flash crucifix pin, flash crucifix pin, and uh, I, I, it was it was uh, it was effective in what they were going for, as you mentioned. Um, but like, you know. I'm kind of a person that's kind of I don't like Brambos and Rumbles to begin battle roles to begin with. So it's like I'm hard I'm hard to please when it comes to that uh, perspective. Yeah, overall, yeah, really fun match, and I thought Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly did a great job of introducing the people and kind of letting you know who was who and what was going on. But yeah, really, really enjoy that to kick off the show. So then, uh, first match on the main card, we had the Chaos team of Ishii, Yo, Yoshihashi, and Leo Rush defeating the House of Torture team of Dick Togo. Evil show in Yujiro Takahashi seven minute match. Uh, I mean, fine opener here. The, the big thing is you have some World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League implications here. As Yo and Leo Rush, they're in the Junior Tag League. Um, Yoshihashi's in the World Tag League. His partner is Goto. Um, show and Dick Togo are in the Junior Tag League. Evil and Yujiro in the World Tag League. So just kind of some preview matches here. Overall, it was fine. Leo Rush's debut in Japan. Um, I mean, nothing really to write home about this match. I like this match. Um, I, I I gave it three flat stars, but like I really <clears throat> like the at the beginning when Ishii's in, and he's almost like a he's almost like the the uh, like protagonist in like an action movie, and like he's foiling all these henchmen. And like he's sidestepping, or it's almost like someone throws a big boot, he sidesteps it or catches the boot and throws it to the dude behind him because he has eyes in the back of his head. Like it was a bunch of that for like 40 seconds of Ishii just being like uh like uh the equalizer, like he's like he's fucking Denzel Washington all of a sudden. And it was it was fun. <laughs> and then um I also like the um like the I guess the, the 3K coming back as a as a finish for for Yo and, and Leo. And like it's just they they I don't know what they got in common. Like I know that you know they, uh, Kelly music. Tried to they do music over. together. I, I know he and they said they have similar, similar interests. And the only thing I think of was like yo in that art poop, display that he like the, the yeah. Sculptures. So it's like bro that that dude's weird. But like whatever, <laughs> like it, it is what it is. But like I did like that they brought the three K back. They're both they artists. Work. They just work in different mediums. Okay. Shit is not a medium, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to evil. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I thought Leo looked good uh, first time in Japan. You always want to like make a make an impression. He was moving around the ring well, and you know I gotta imagine Leo Rush is um, looking at it like, hey, this this is my last shot to try this to try to stick somewhere because you know it, it's real hard when you when you run through Vince, Triple H, and TK. So. And MLW, yeah, and, and GCW, Power. you know, like and Ring of Honor, like there's nowhere else to go, like look, at all. Look, I think y'all are being too hard on him. He's, we're, we're after all talking about Leo Rush, a person that made history on on uh, Sunday in the morning. He 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 has to be the first black man to win a match in stardom. Has to be. <laughs> so cut him some slack. He's ma- he's ma- he's do- he, look. He's breaking barriers. Okay, oh, he's like, breaking bigger. barriers. Uh, I will say, uh, what, he had a great uh, match in the main event today in Cork and Hall. Him and Yo against uh, Catch Two Two, Akira and TJP. Really okay. fun main event. Thought Leo Rush looked uh, great in there. Him and Akira, their speed together was awesome. So yeah, Leo Rush is looking good. I think he's going to be a great addition to this junior division. That was Leo a free Rush. show, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah it's free. It yeah. Mm-hmm. Leo Rush is not coming to Japan to work junior tag league unless he's winding up in the finals in some capacity. So, um, yeah, this was kind of a showcase match for them as an emerging tag team amongst the other things you guys mentioned. I thought it was fun. The, the nice thing here, very little House of Torture is a you know, there wasn't a lot of those types of shenanigans. <laughs> Most of that stuff got foiled. They didn't have a lot of time to pop that shit off. So it was kind of nice there. Leo got choked by the girl at wire. Very little. That, that's very minimum. Little. That's minimum. That's minim- it was that's minimum. minimum. This yeah. Was very, yeah. You ha- that's a baseline. You expect like everyone gets, gets choked by the wire. The lights yeah. didn't get turned out. There was no ref. Bumps. No ref pulls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a lot more that could have gone wrong. I mean, so it, it was. It, they took a turn pad, a turnbuckle pad off. Just one. Yeah. They Bruce didn't Haven take all calls, four of them off. Yeah. Brew Haven calls um, Leo Rush to Jackie Robinson of Joshi. Jackie Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Joshi Robinson. Uh, oh so we just, we just, Aja, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just no. Okay, fine. Uh, well, Whatever. We're just racing black women. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I don't agree with this. I, I guess that's what they're doing. There. They meaning oh like there's God. a they, there's a them and a me. Me is not with them. Mm. A- anyways, it was fine. <laughs> uh, moving on to the, the next matchup, <laughs> we had, we had a six man or uh, like I said six six woman match here. Uh, Queen Quest, Azumi, Lady C, and Saya Kamatani. They defeated the Donald Del Mundo team of Hameka, Maya Sakurai, and Tekla. Uh, also, a, a big story here: uh, Lady C and Mai Sakurai. They're teaming up in the the Stardom Tag League right now. It's My Fair Lady, kind of being forced together here. Um, Tekla, I believe she's coming back from uh, injury and looking to kind of make a splash back in, in Stardom. And was in there. Her and Azumi had some great sequences there. Seemed like potentially setting up a uh, high speed matchup maybe between those. And also, a we rematch. Had, yeah, rematch. Um, and we had the the white belt uh, champion Saya Kamatani. In there as well, awesome uh, hitting that uh, four fifty. I think she called it with the Firebird, Firebird splash. Yeah, she. <laughs> um, ironically, she started uh, breaking that out during the Grand Prix, um, and I thought that was a way to like save her body for from doing the Phoenix Splash all the time. And then, like in her last, uh, no, well, before this weekend, uh, I guess Mina Shirakawa on um, one nineteen or sorry one eleven three. She uh, she ended up like botching one badly airballing it having to go up again botched it the second one and this second one her foot ends up like turning to like a phoenix sorry a, a phoenix splashing leg drop right on mina's mouth and like knocked out like three of her teeth and like fucked up her jaw so um that business you know they, they basically like it, that's kind of like on the no list for now she's on probation for now with the uh phoenix splash so mm. she's using the firebird for now yeah and chris charlie was trying to tell a story <clears throat> of like Maybe she's hesitant to do it, kind of like when um, Billy Kidman messed up the shooting star in like O two, yeah. and he was kind of like hesitant to do it because he didn't want to hurt his opponent. Yeah, that played into the white belt match she had with Kyrie the night before, where she tried it. She actually tried it one time, but Kyrie slipped out the way, so she basically had to do the whole like roll through thing. Um, but yeah, that was a part of the match from uh, that for Saturday morning. This I, I is really. I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Josh. I was just gonna say I don't have as much to probably add to this as you guys do, but I thought that this was a really great match. I thought it was uh, more high speed, more entertaining, mm-hmm. obviously than the first uh, men six man tag. But this was a really great showcase for everybody. I did see the Saya Kamatani title defense from the night before, and mm-hmm. from what I've seen of her, RLPW, big fan of, of Saya, especially with the tassels. <laughs> um, 
The one thing I will say, though, and this is the only like interesting point I have, every single review, every person I saw that was giving a preview of this match was telling me that Lady C was eating the pinfall, and it was not so. So, you know, do you guys believe in miracles? Because she huh. did not <laughs> take the L. Um, I can see... I don't know who I predicted to win. I think I probably predicted uh, Lady C would take the L too because she she eats a lot of L's too. But um, my as a loser makes a bunch of sense because yeah, um, like my's not as good as Lady C is, but she's she's pushed at a slightly higher level. Um, so you know, either one of those two were going to be the two pin eaters in uh in this situation. And in this situation, once you saw my out there with Kamatani, and it went more than like two seconds you're like oh she's she's stuck in there and she's isolated she's about to get pinned uh, i was glad to see azumi on here you know she would she would have rather been teaming with will she gave a uh interview uh, saying you know she wanted to team with somebody but wouldn't reveal who it was we all kind of knew who she was talking about and this is kind of when the pageantry of this show started hitting me when queen's quest came out like i felt proud when queen's <laughs> quest came out i was like i i think i'm like i'm rolling with queen's quest here so i've i they've always been my favorite faction yeah. Ever since I started watching Stardom, because I mean, it's you know, it's like the last the le- leftover like legacy of Io Shirai was like she took like Momo Watanabe, Hazuki, and Azumi, and like more or less like that was like her dojo, right? And then like Io left, and like Momo took over, and then like Hazuki by that point in time from faction warfare got like taken away, but like that was always like we're putting our young, like prodigious talents you know, there um, that are, that it came out of our dojo. That's kind of what they've always done with um, Queen's quest. So like, that's when you get, you know, Kamatani, Azumi, Utami, Momo, like that's always been like the thing. Um, so like, I've always, you know, Dr. Style, like they're, they always work like a basically straightforward, just wrestle their asses off uh, type of click in like, that's been the case for them since, you know, ever since I've watched them. So I've always enjoyed the hell out of them and always liked them most. And like their tag matches are just top notch. Like they're like starting almost like a machine, but like they are like the, machine the most efficient the machine. machine. Yeah. I, I'm more of a stars guy myself. Always have been. Mm. Makes sense, I guess. There's yeah. 60 you like baby faces. <laughs> Queen's Quest. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're baby faces. I, it's just stars are baby faces. <laughs> they're 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 very much like a uh, haunt. Yeah, they're, they're haunt high of stardom. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Queen's Quest, United Empire. I feel like there's a, a theme there. I could, yeah, Azumi and Will teaming up next time would be great. But yeah, really a good tag match here, uh, which led to the next tag match, the first mixed tag match of the night, where we had Julia and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Shuri and a filthy Tom Lawler, 10 minutes and 29 seconds. And this was another really uh, fun matchup here. Of course, um, from the G1, Saber and Philly Tom have been feuding over uh, George Michael and what's the other guy? Um, it was George, Boy George. Michael. Boy George, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're they're arguing over that. So that's kind of the history of their rivalry. And then, of course, uh, Julia and Shuri, they have a big uh, World of Stardom title match coming up and big rivalry there. Julia winning the five-star Grand Prix. And so... A lot of the match was them trying to kill each other and throwing a strikes and a preview for that match. There was one point in the match where Philly Tommy's trying to break them up and then they both start <laughs> beating him up because they want to yeah, get out of the way. They want to run yeah, it and go sweet. at it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Philly Tom, he had the horse, he had the short shorts with the, the God's eye 
glitter logo <laughs> on the shorts. On both shorts. Yeah. <laughs> both uh, the overs and the unders. It was it was amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Waka seemed to be oppressed by that on commentary. <laughs> I loved Waka on commentary throughout this whole thing. She would jump in with like one line of like yeah. basic English and it'd be like, oh, that was Waka. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 I will say that Waka added a ton to the main event. But, but yeah, like it was more or less like Kelly and, and uh, Carl, Charlton doing doing the job while, you know, just throwing her for a little bit of background for things they may be, you know, may not be too aware of. So, yeah, um, I thought that, you know, for such an awkward situation, they, they made the best of it. Well, get ready because I heard during the post-match comments that Shuri said the one thing she regretted was that she didn't have matching gear to Filthy Tom Lawler. So the next time they tag together, she does plan to wear the jean attire with the glitter and the tassels, and she wants to do the same dance that he does as they enter together. That was what she said during the post-match, so... Look, if not for the day before show where she just broke out brand new gear, I fully was expecting her to show up in red, red denim. I really was. <laughs> I, I mean, you get, I mean, it's documented. You can go through like our, um, or you can actually go to, uh, Charlton's, uh, discord. I actually said that, like, I was fully expecting her to come out and like in some like cutoffs. Cause she's also worn like long jeans before, like things that look like jeans before for gear. So like I was expecting that in, like they have a admiration, respect for each other, doing the whole MMA thing. So hopefully she doesn't, uh, she doesn't wear she doesn't wear red skinny jeans. I'm not I'm not going to Chris Charlton's Discord. I I exclusively I'm on Twitter until it dies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on I'm on both. Like I'm, I'm waiting for it to die too. But I was like, well, while it's going over here, let me see if I can ask him a question about like what's going to happen with you know them trying to communicate small details like besides just on their website for news. So. But it's- as far as the six or the uh, this mixed tag match goes, I really enjoyed it. I felt like yep. this is part of where the show really shined. I know, mm-hmm. um, you know, people were kind of wondering if there was going to be like this sort of competitive nature between the two brands. And I honestly didn't get very much of that vibe whatsoever. The way, say, like the Noah show was, it wasn't like that. This was mm-hmm. more of uh, literally, in some cases, more so a showcase for stardom, but also very much a collaboration and it was yeah. kind of it was kind of cool to see even like the men in many cases were like kind of treated like the juniors like in this case like they were the pin eaters yeah i'll, uh, I'll go a step you know. further i think new japan did everything sh- did almost basically anything you could possibly ask any promotion in a in this kind of situation to do joint shows like this to put another promotion over like I, I, think I think that too. i think they should be i think that um, New Japan Pro Wrestling should, should should be commended for for what went on um, Sunday morning. I I, I think I, I mean I, we've seen we've seen um, how a lot of men res, male wrestlers act in like intergender and stuff and whatever else, and they don't want to sell uh, or whatever else, or they don't or they only want to sell for the teeniest tiniest bit or whatever else. Right. And like all them dudes was showing ass for uh, for the women left and right. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, and, and, and <laughs> like making them and, and literally trying to show personality and make the women look like the coolest pe- acts out of all of all these teams. So like, yeah, I, um, yeah, uh, this was, this went as well as you could have expected it to. MJ what, does what? PR says, can James explain why Shuri and Julia double team Tom? Oh, cause they were, cause he got in the middle of their battle. Yeah. He's, he's in the way. They're, they're, they're trying, trying to, to fight. beat each other. They're, like, look, yeah, I've seen this. Um, when they tag together, 
in like quote unquote all star tag team matches or when they've had the tag since uh Shuri left uh Tom Amato to start Gazai. When those two get in the ring together, they're going to and, she, and she, Julia has this also with Tam Nakano as well. Like they get in the ring, they have their section of the match, and they're going to just bomb throw until they both collapse and then tag out. That, that's that's just how it goes with Shuri and, and um Julia. Um Shuri also has it with Mayu. Um yeah, it's like there's certain people where it's like certain like uh, you call it like uh, certain particular rivals where it's like they get in tag matches and you know that's going to carry this match too. That's going to be the hot shit and the tag match. So yeah, that happens. It happens with Momo and Hazuki, for example, too. Um, so yeah, like he got in the way, so he had to pay. They they also explained on commentary the, kind of the history where they were stable mates and had regularly teamed together. And so I think that, that yeah, for. They're tag- for- like when when Tom Lawler got in the way and um they basically like ran him from one right. to, the, to the middle and they hit like base like con- like uh meet in the middle like uh, drop kicks that was one of their tags that's their shit yeah that was their shit yeah I, I'm pretty convinced that Tom wanted to eat all that and was like here's what yes. we're gonna do like yes yeah and yes. so that was just so memorable. he reviews Stardom every other week like we do well we, we do it more every <laughs> week but you know what I'm saying like he he right. knows all this stuff. It, it, yeah, that part was so memorable, very, very, very fun, and I thought it was like the standout of the match was just seeing the two of them kick the shit out of him, and then those two be so dead set on killing each other that they got distracted from the match altogether, yeah. which you know pretty much left Thomas sitting duck for Zack Saber to use the techers. Yeah, Zach busted out the European clutch and uh, got yep. the win there. Yep, and then um, you know like. Julia and and Saber like doing this playful thing where like one's trying to raise the other's arm. They're like, no, let me raise your arm. No, let me raise your arm. And like that was also cool because like you know Saber can Saber can when he wants to be can be a dick. So it, I, you don't know how he's gonna play it, but he's like you know fellow fellow countrywoman. So it's like I gotta you know put her over. So yeah. that, that was cool. Like all these interactions were super cool. Like the, like the Tai Chi and Tam stuff was cool too. We'll get to it, but yeah, like it was a lot of just fun things um, that you just wouldn't expect mm-hmm. or. Or things that you think like that'd be cool and that would that would be like a nice meme or whatever else, but like you don't think they're actually gonna think of it and then they do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the backstage comments Zach asked Julia if he can join Don Del Mondo and said he would he would put it on his gear, the logo on his gear. <laughs> he he's working towards trying to become a full fledged member of DDM. Yeah. That's funny. Like Don Del Mondo is French uh, sorry, Italian for woman of the world. <laughs> well, well he wants to be one of them. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, next matchup, we had uh, Meltier, which is Natsupoi, and Tam Nakano. They teamed up with Taichi and Yoshinobu Kanamaru, and they defeated the team of Black Desire, which is Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid, and Doki and El Desperado. Well, let me let me just start off by saying two things. Number one, I didn't even recognize Momo. Like, I knew it was going to be her in the match, and then, like, halfway through the match, I realized it was her, and I was like, Oh shit! She's blonde and she's carrying a bat. Like this she's is a totally different now. person. She's e- yeah, I didn't. <laughs> she's, had, she's had a uh, quite a, a free fall and, <laughs> and come on hard times in the last year. Um, it was like she 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 came out. Um, this goes back to the Grand Prix last year. She had this look on her face like I know I ain't gonna win. And she's, in the final, she she's walking out for the final. And she has that face. Yes. That face. Yeah. Yes, um, that's and, funny. You know, she she had to wrestle Shuri. Shuri basically outlasts her, beats her, and and banishes her to hell. 
she's got all these people in Queen's Quest, like kind of, kind of, you know, rising and surpassing her. And then she starts like looking around and decides, like, you know, it's like you know when when people start turning to drugs and the wire, like that's kind of like what Momo was like Watanabe like kind of did when she joined Oye Otai. It was just like <laughs> I'm just going to start doing heroin now. So like you know I have nothing left to live for, so I'm just going to be a, a evil deviant. And this is what she did for like a year. <laughs> yeah, well, the, 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 she's the other- she's still mostly awesome. Yeah, but she yeah, she's awesome. Oh, everyone was great in this match. The other thing I was gonna say is like I knew I didn't know of Meltier. I knew the names, but I'd never seen them. Man, and that I knew it's not like Melzer. Like <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that wrong? No, no, no it's Meltier and like Meltier. it sounds like Melzer. That's why I don't like the name. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh. Um and I knew that they were like idols or whatever, mm-hmm. but I hadn't seen the visual of like what the idea of like them coming out mixed with Tai Chi, and I'm like, okay, this makes perfect sense why these were all paired together and it was just hilarious and then like yeah when when tai chi's going to like pull off his like trunks and then like one of the girls like she's Damn. trying to rip but she doesn't yeah. have Damn. it like, yeah. she can't pull her tutu off yeah yeah <laughs> this match was so funny bro so the thing that's crazy about like the military in uh tai chi thing is that like after when the pandemic first happened and both both promotions were on hiatus they started doing like cross promotional stuff uh, with certain wrestlers here and there and certain mismatch type of situations. Well, they did a, str- a live stream for Bushiro for some reason where they put Tai Chi and Tam Nakano together. Right. And like, it made no sense at the time. Like you're putting like the babiest of baby faces you can find in like the top 99% of baby face percentile in the world with, with the, you know, Black Mephisto, right? So, um, but like they they have like this weird charm or or uh or whatever else with each other. Where like Tai Chi says lewd things to this this like pretty woman that's like older than like than than she uh than she appears to be, and like that like that's just their chemistry. And then um, you know, in the last like few months like uh Nasipoy joined Cosmic Angels became Tam's tag team partner became tag team champions so like they made their own because they're both idols they singers like Tam's actual solo theme music is her her singing it's actually a song about the lyrics are actually about Mayu Batani but and hold, but whatever um but um they end up like singing their interest music down to the to the ring and like lo and behold like who else sings their interest music down to the ring well you know sing with you know lip sync so like <laughs> it all is matching up and it was like he sings for real that's not lip syncing yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah it just it you know and then they you know they have the the the, the tai chi mask thing on when they're coming down and like they they, they had already got ken Murray to come out first or, like they're like yeah you take your ass out here and it's actually about like <laughs> nasty boy and tam and tai chi and they're doing the slip singing thing and they're, like they're like it was it was really fun but like the match was also great because like momo as you mentioned like just kind of like a hoodlum along with starlight kid like two both of them in the last year basically have turned into these characters and like they're they're just terrorists and like anytime is melter and black desire like melter comes out they want to sing their song and like black desire just will not have it we will not have it and like they would cut them off they tried to yeah 
yeah, it just happened every it happens every time. And it's just fun and to see how like all the interaction you you know, you see um you're trying to see how like uh the Despy side and the Taichi side handle it or whatever else. And that that was interesting. And then to see like um I think that was like the first uh like man or woman type of thing when you had um Desperado like grab yeah. like uh ploy by the hair. So that was uh so that was interesting to see. And then like you see, then you progress later in the show, and he was like, Okay, so like I see what they're doing and like it's working very effectively in each match, and they're all doing it different ways, opposed to, like the you know, the kind of like the mixed match challenge or whatever else where it's kind of like it's the same thing every single time. So did um, you guys notice that Kento literally put him in an arm lock and like arm barred him to get him to, like they don't do that in New Japan. Like the referees never show any kind of like actual force. Right, he, right. He arm barred him to get him to let go. Like yeah. which kind of showed like how serious it was. Yeah. Yeah. They played it they all played it up very well and like, you know, even you know, even teasing like the the as uh, they call it now the ferial uh, mist, right? Yeah. So we had the that, and, like, <laughs> yeah. So like Nasipoy, like she, you know, Rich has Rich is very very Rich used to be the one like huge in the bandwagon. He used to be riding shotgun with me in the Nasipoy bandwagon thing, but ever since she uh, left Domino Model to join Cosmic Angels, he he, he like Prasado non grata, like public enemy number one now. So um, like she's just like this. Very much like Kyrie, like this very, very like likable, infectious smile. Like she was a fairy. Like they, her, she's literally a fish. She's like she's like Tinkerbell. She's literally like Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell, and like you have to kill her to death a thousand times to actually put her away. Um, she's that kind of like fight for any type. And um, to see her like that kind of personality, like literally be Tinkerbell, and like. You know, she's with Kanemaru and Kanemaru teach her how to like drink. Like she was funny. <laughs> like to see that to yeah. decide to start him dojo, and then to see like uh, Taichi and Kanemaru try to do like the like the like the dive, and they couldn't. They were struggling with the ropes, and then like they le- lead up to that in the match where like they actually just assist them in the dive. Like all this was cool, and then like to see Momo like he she wants at the beginning of the match to like trade the like the Abushi Tai Chi kicks from that grand from the G one, like two, a couple years ago. Like she wants to do that with Tai Chi, but it's like, no, this woman, we're not, we're not starting with that. We're not doing that. Like <laughs> it, it was, it was like, it got over so many of the personalities in a way that like, um, I think the first time viewer were like, like, Oh, okay. I get who this person is. This person uh-huh. like, okay, this person X, they do X, Y, and Z. Cool. So I'll tell you one thing about black desire. That's gimmick infringement hoodlums where one smaller than the other one and one of them carries a bat and one of them covers their face <laughs> who does that sound like darby and sting <laughs> um so, so another dynamic here momo watanabe would definitely meet like dookie out on the streets um and like like dookie's just this dude that's living fast living the life and then he he comes across like momo watanabe and she starts riding shotgun with him Kevin Kelly mentioned it like they're both. He said something like they're both downtrodden or whatever else, and I fucking helped because like you said that in the preview, and I was like, it, it's the same. Uh, I, I'm, you, I'm looking for the for, for all the angles here. <laughs> don't 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 I tell her we ain't going back. Like yep, we only no, we're you, moving you, forward. You got to ride with me. We we gonna figure this out. <laughs> Listen, Doki never loses. He goes forward. She needs to jump on the bandwagon with him and move forward. Yeah, but uh, I get the finishing stretch of this was like Taichi in there with um with Doki and Taichi eventually just puts him 
um, away with the Black Mephisto. And then after the match, uh, do, you, do you guys know what happened in the match? After the match, or do you want me to just recap you in? Go ahead. Okay, so after the match, like, he basically pulls Tam aside and, like, does it obviously close to, like, the, you know, if you say hard cam sort of close towards the mic and basically like encourages her to say, Hey, you need to, you know, challenge for be the first challenger for the uh, IWGP women's title. Um, at like mm. one four. And she was like, should I do that? And like, I, I don't have the translations, but like, you can kind of see that's where it's going. And you can hear, uh, Charlton, like say, kind of fill you in on that, what was going on. So like, you know, uh, later the show that ends up happening, but I was like, like Tai Chi, Tai Chi has an actual friend, an actual <laughs> friend. He's actually like encouraging this woman. Like I, I didn't know Tai Chi had this in him. Like, tai Chi's got friends. Like he does. Him and Zach are like really, Zachary really, so really close. And when Despy, that, remember, well, that's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. No. Lance Archer. He was at the barbecue at Archer's house. Him and Lance yeah, Archer are no. very good friends. Okay, so I, I get, I get. He actually, I, I know he's not a, a anti-social person. Doesn't have any friends. But like, that's the gimmick that he's putting over. Like doing this yeah. whole thing is he doesn't have friends. Yeah. Like with the whole Tam thing, it's like he's. So I don't have any friends. Like uh, when he sh- so. Um, there was one week when I think the Grand Prix final, sorry, the G1 final, um, Shuri and Julia were both presented flowers to um, Okada and Osprey. That same weekend, like I think it was Okan and it may have been Okan, it may have been Desperado, or it was Desperado and Taichi at one of the starting pay-per-views and they presented flowers for like Tam and whoever else or whatever else. Uh, and that's boy. And at the time, <clears throat> like post, you know, setting up the road to a sort of crossover before they eventually announced that they're going to be tagged together. Like, uh, Taichi was like, I don't have any friends. Like, he'd be my friends. Like, it was, <laughs> that was like a thing he said. He was just being funny. Well, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, that was another good match. What we got next, Jeremy? So, next we got Hiroshi Tanahashi and Utami Hayashista. They defeated Hiroki Goto and Micah nine minutes and 36 seconds. I would like to rename Hiroshi Tanahashi right now. Hiroshi Ike Turner Hashi. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't taking no shit. Yeah, we talk about the the level of the, the man on woman and woman on man violence increasing as the show goes on. Oh, we definitely saw that here in this matchup yes. with Tanahashi. We got douchebag Tanahashi. You know, every once in a while, Tanahashi likes to, to be a heel. He likes to break the rules and that's what we got here. He got in there. He was he was holding. Uh, who was he holding on to? Um, Mike, Micah. On Micah. He's holding Micah, and then um, he does the the shote, the slap to her yes. <laughs> at one point. He put you yes. know stomping a mud hole, gets his Stone Cold Steve Austin on, just you know dropping the boots on, and he hits his <laughs> ace pose on her. <laughs> yeah, he, the whole time, right? Because they started a match with my, with Utami and Micah, and then they immediately both go to clear uh, the the male counterparts off the ring. So from there, like once they do their trade off of technical stuff and the tag out. So as they're so as uh Goto and Tanahashi are circling, like Tanahashi, he turns towards like Mike in the corner, he does one of these, like I'll I'll you know <laughs> I ain't afraid. And, 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 right. And then it continued throughout the match, and like eventually Tanahashi got his back and said, like, Okay, that's fine. And then he kept going, and then it turned into a thing where it was like, All right, when is Mike gonna get when is Mike gonna get hers? When is Tanahashi gonna get his? And like it was funny as hell to me because it was like this is like one of the greatest baby faces ever lived, and he's just like he's 
he's out here going back and forth with Micah. And then eventually Micah got a, a backdrop driver on him. So like, yeah. it was it was it was so good. It was so fun. Be- beating was- women out here. How'd you like this, Josh? <laughs> oh, this was my favorite part of the show. <laughs> and not not because of the gimmick, like not because of that, like you know, legitimately because of how funny Tanahashi is. Anytime Tanahashi does heal them, it always pops me. And like like what you mentioned, Jeremy, like where he like rushed into the ring and he started putting the boots to her and they did the freaking pose. Yeah. And then and then the referee turns around and he was like and they he like ran posed. back to the corner. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, there was so a time, there was, yeah, there was a spot where like I think him and um Utami both put the boots to Micah while like uh yeah. Godo had a ref and then like He's Tanahashi has all the time, and he knows like that the ref is going to have his back turned until you know go to give them the word to turn around. Like, but like Tanahashi, like he ran back into the apron to get into this corner, and then I was like, "You're he's such a sneaky bitch." It's so funny. <laughs> you know, it's very rare that we see that uh, the appearance of, of Dick Tanahashi, but it's Tanahashi it exists. He's being challenged, like you know, like New, New Japan. You know, someone was trying to infringe upon the lion. Like we've seen Tanahashi not take respect. Remember, like when, when they threw that it's belt a, uh, and Noah, and he, and he had to you know run up and say, "This will not stand." Um, you you know what happens like when somebody tries to come back to New Japan. You know how he treated Shibata. It's like when it's like when he. When he disrespected DDT and he buried the whole fucking promotion when, when he was there doing a show, like, yeah, he saw that everyone else thought that this show was a collaboration and they're all no. working together. And he was <laughs> like, he's like, oh, y'all want to show up in our territory on our uh, no, it's like, Mike, you trying to take my spot? Like, <laughs> you, you want to be the ace? <laughs> nah, <laughs> hold a show tape. Bro, when he gave her that freaking slap, I was—I couldn't believe he did that. Like, I just—I don't know. I was shocked. Like, it was really like funny. We we need to go ahead and get that clip and then like edit it in with that one you always talk about, Josh. And that's what you get for dealing with Ace. <laughs> oh my god! But I did. What I liked about it is what you mentioned earlier, James. Is that like this wasn't a cookie cutter? Every single one of these mixed tags were all the same. They were all different flavors yep. and ways to kind of work these matches. They all offered something different, and it was really fun and cool. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you know, in a, in a world in a world where I'm the person that's in charge of the multi million dollar uh, rest promotions or whatever else, and, and can have the final say so. I let them go out there and, and do like Marufuji and um Marufuji and, and Asuka versus like Mako Satomura and Noru Suzuki. But it, no, there's not you're not getting seven thousand people you're not getting seven thousand people to arena to watch like Minoru Suzuki beat the living shit out of Asuka like that. You know what I'm saying? Or Asuka Kana. You know what I mean? Like so so no. Uh but like this was this was very entertaining for all the stuff they did. I, and I thought like, you know, ultimately like yeah, everybody, you know, the men that got their got their shit in or whatever else, like they got that shit back. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, like that. You know, and that's, that's the thing. main thing to make it work. I, I wish that this grace uh, of you know of women allowing women to be hit was extended to when Will Osprey dropped B Priestley. I was uh, literally going to say the same. Not thing. a soul, not a soul has has come up in uproar about Hiroshi Tanahashi slapping this woman, even though these were two pro wrestlers that agreed to this. Uh, just like it was two pro wrestlers that agreed to this thing when people were reviling in horror wasn't and, it, and, and trying to run a griff about Will. Wasn't it a wasn't a cutter? Wasn't it RKO? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 you tell me what now, you tell me what this more. No, no, no. You tell Bro, me what gives ahead. more, what gives more calls or whatever else. 
let's say on Wednesday, uh, one of the male wrestlers hitting somebody with an RKO or somebody hitting somebody with a, with a damn open hand slap. It should well, be the slap, you would think. Right, right. right. That's what I'm getting at. Like, hell, think about it like this, right? Randy Orton did that in a Royal Rumble with uh, with Nia, like, what, two, three years ago? No one said shit. The, the nuance of those who are going to argue against it is they're going to say that this was a situation where it was two wrestlers agreeing to compete in a competitive, you know, moment. Whereas Will Ospreay and B... That was something that was taking place outside of the confines of a sporting event where it was. It happened literally in at, at a sporting event. No, but it was. It happened in a ring. Yeah, but it was post-match and they were clearly like, you know, they were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. And so uh-huh. it, was, it was depiction of domestic violence. It's like what they're literally saying. That's what I, they. You, you have a point. However, I would say to you, it is. A, it's not my point. I'm no. telling you what they said. I don't no, agree with it. I would say those people have. I would say those people have a degree of a point. I would say that um, it is all entertainment at the end of the day. Also, I mean, they are wrestlers who were working together in right. All, it was agreed upon all agreed of upon. these someone situations. Look, man, if someone does like, I, I can promise you, if, the, look, if, I, if look, there was actual domestic violence happening, right, or any type of simulation of domestic violence in real life, they wouldn't be doing a fucking RKO to do it, like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it, right. It, it, and um, but I, but I will say is like it, it this all comes down to who the people are that does the thing. Right. Like and that's the point you're making with the Tanahashi thing compared to Osprey. Like that that is who it is, is definitely the reason why it caused that kind of elicited that kind of um, 100%. Um, talk at the time when it happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm willing, and I'm willing to listen to someone talk about like how, like you know, that was the con. Or, uh, given that that was a relationship, or she was a manager or valet, however you want to or frame or whatever else, like she was a contracted professional wrestler for the same company that owns uh, New Japan. So hey, I, know- I, I mean, so I, so I, I, I can see why someone could be like eh, that's that's problematic. I could definitely see that, but like uh, I, I wouldn't put it on my television personally. You, you know who else agrees with you? B Priestley. She said so publicly. So, I mean, I don't know what, it, what everyone was freaking out about. But I will tell you this. If Will Ospreay was in this match, and, I'm, and this isn't a cap for the guy, but if Will Ospreay was in this match and he put the boots to Micah, the internet would be on fire right now. Like, we would not hear the end of it. But we've heard nothing about Tanahashi doing it. You know why? Because he's the fucking ace. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason. He's the ace. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the match concluded. Utami hit the the hijack bomb on Micah, got the pin there. And then post match, we got Tanahashi and Utami playing the the air guitar in tandem to, to uh, the close off yeah, of that, that segment. You know why? Because they're the ace, and Micah and Goto are Goto. That's why. <laughs> That's it. The G stands for geeks. It was it was funny to me because it's like Utami, while she is like an incredible wrestler. Like she, she, it was as if like this was all like, like done spontaneously. She was not expecting to do this. She didn't know how to. She like I have never even considered the idea of or considered an air guitar. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing up there. And she was just like, look, I'm just out here having fun and whatever else. And I, I really enjoyed the the smile on her face and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, 
you never never in a million years while she started training for this shit. Like she was just trying to like train to have a match with Io Shirai before she left for WWE and then she did. Like you think that all of a sudden, like she's just imagine like if I can't keep doing this, I'll just be on the top of a ramp in Ariake Arena with, with fucking Tanahashi doing air guitar. Never in a million years. Like she was happy as hell and I was happy for her. So Congratulations uh, in time with your goofy ass self. Zach <laughs> Porter says uh, Micah and uh, Hiroki Goto were sent to go sit under a waterfall together. We <laughs> <laughs> both done that at different times in the careers, yes. Uh, so the next every, one, every time I take a cold shower, I, I try to think of Goto and like will myself. To I'm sorry, you really don't. Yeah, I go like this. I like try to like I try to you know withstand it. <laughs> uh, uh, when I take a shower, I just think of washing my ass thoroughly. But okay, <laughs> or whatever. And I don't really be thinking about like dudes or wrestlers in general. But whatever. Well, I'm always thinking about wrestling and dudes at all times. So I don't know what to tell you. While showering. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. How's Megan? She's sleeping. She's in another room. She's doing well. Does she know that you <laughs> think about dudes when you shower? Yeah. She's well aware. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay move, moving on to the next match. We have gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we had a 10-man tag here. United Empire, uh, Francisco Akira, Lord Gideon Gray, Kyle Fletcher, Mark Davis, and TJP. They defeated the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. Um, so again, this is kind of uh, continuing the rivalry with United Empire and LIJ based off of what was going on with Osprey and Naito. Uh, plus, you have uh, Kira and TJP. They're the current junior tag team champs in the junior tag league. And Bushi's in the tag league teaming up with Teton. So a little preview there. Um, and then Aussie opens in the world tag league as well as um, Naito and Sonata. So comes some preview stuff for that. And I got to say, Bushi... He, he's super low on totem pole. He lost in a match where Gideon Gray was on the other end. This man, I didn't even think of that. This man, in Bushi, is a bum, a <laughs> geek. Get the B in Bushi stands for bum. <laughs> this man can't, couldn't win a multi-man match with Lord Gideon, the manager, on the other side. Oh, gee. This is great. You know what? <laughs> I, 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 in my mind initially, I'm thinking like that's really harsh. And then I think about like what Gideon Gray does in New Japan and like he's a, he's a manager. Exactly. You're right. Yes. You're right. Mouthpiece. I, I, you, look, you're right. I don't like that you're right. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> what this is. I'm trying to, in my mind, I want to be like, it's, it's not that bad. You, you ain't got to, I'm like, you ain't got to go there. You're not wrong. You ain't got to go there. But, but I love it because I love Lord Gideon Gray. He's been great since he's been in New Japan and announcing United Empire and the, the his, when he wrestles and the antics. Like this man is gold. He is money, and I, I love me some Lord Gideon Gray. Lord Gideon Gray is the Night best really manager enjoy. persona in wrestling today. Period. Nobody so? better. Like yeah. legitimately, you think so? Like, I'm honestly asking. I don't even know. Like it because I haven't um, watched as much as you have. Obviously, a million percent. There's okay. no one today in AEW or WWE or anywhere that I know of that's better than this guy. He's the best. Okay. I uh, do. Do you are you okay with him wrestling, or or do you prefer to if he stayed out the ring? I love when he's wrestling. He's terrible, but he's not <laughs> actually terrible. He's the perfect. He's a geek. He's, man- he's the yeah. perfect managerial wrestler. Like he's better than Gato. He's better than everybody. He's great. Okay. 
Yeah, and the whole story of, you know, his family, like, paying for him to get the best wrestling training, but... But he stinks. Yes. But, but, but sorry. <laughs> and Kevin <laughs> Kelly called... At least, call, like, his dad isn't, like, a legendary wrestler, and he's just sorry. I think that's actually worse. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Say, it, say, it, say it who you want to say. Go ahead. Dom Mysterio. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and Kevin that's, Ke- that's, not a sh- that's not, like, kayfabe. That's just a shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Megan walked in during this match, uh, during the part where Kevin Kelly was trying to put down, you know, because that's his bit. He puts down Lord Gideon Gray, but like right. Waka didn't get it. And then so he's just right. like, he's so ugly. And she, like Megan's like, why is that man being so mean to that other man? I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I, was it Gideon or was it Mark Davis? He was uh, he was calling ugly. It was Gideon. He's he was like, talking okay. about Lord Gideon Gray, okay. but Mark Davis was the one in the ring. So if you were okay. Like, so okay. it, like you might, I was kind of the same way. I was like, "Who who's he talking about?" And I was like, "Oh, okay, it, it's getting great. It has to be because he's he is ugly." Yeah, he was yeah bearing and he's like walking. That's like, his gimmick is to be ugly. I can't. He's a bad. Him. He's a bad person. Walker's like, "What he is?" She's like, "He's nice guy." <laughs> <laughs> Kevin called that man a, a money mark. Like he he's, yes. a, he's a money mark. He likes to hang out with the fans, take pictures with wrestlers. She was like, "Oh." <laughs> There's an, entire, there's an entire culture around sponsorship. No, 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 no. An entire culture of sponsorship in Japan. Like that's not a bad thing. And he's like, bro, that we, money mark. Bro, we have to have. We have to find someone that is a sponsor that that is willing to come and talk about and be proud of what they do. But yeah, you know, when the wrestlers come, you know, to, to, you know, our country, you know, we show them a good time and and, and we'll go on, on, on the audio on the air with us and talk about it. Well, the only one I can think of would be like Massa, right? Yeah. Massa. Massa. Yeah. Well, once I resume my wrestling career, I expect social suplex to sponsor me in that way. Mm. Well, you can expect whatever you want. You know? <laughs> That's just like paying bills, you know. Like like Dio Hughley used to say, Bill, Bill Collector call you. When can we expect payment, motherfucker? You can expect it whenever you want. <laughs> oh my god! Payment uh, Oh man! So, uh, like I said, United Empire was good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this was a, a pretty fun. They flew around. Um, they flew around. It just it went short, and obviously, you know, they had the the goofy, um, some of the goofball stuff with Gideon Gray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But these are the, in my opinion, I think these are the two best multi-man units. Lij and United Empire. Every time they're together, they do really good, and I thought this was really good. Yeah, Aussie Open, they hit the Coriolis on Bushi to get the win here. So they're pushing Aussie Open really strong going into this World Tag League, which everybody is predicting they're going to win so they can do FTR Aussie Open 2, Commerce of Kingdom 17, January 4th. Unless the Bucks have something to say about it. <laughs> Carry on my way, words. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> then you'll you start hearing that rumbling. Oh! Mato Jackson. <laughs> when we were on the Jackson. We were before, before we were recording the show, like Rich was singing the, the song by Kansas, and I was like, bitch, you didn't like that till Saturday. He's like, I never heard of that song until Saturday. <laughs> yeah, he told me the same thing, uh, I think, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, my God. He's like, it's catchy. You know, catchy. Look at that, that music altered tag on New Japan World, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll get to a uh, unfortunate mu- uh, music altering thing uh, later. But yeah, uh, it was a fun match. Just, I I would have been wish they went longer. I wish they had taken like five minutes from the semi-main event and put it towards this, or actually five minutes from the match fo- that followed this. To be honest with you, because, I, I don't. Okay. I didn't need that because this show was five hours already. We could have dropped the whole House of Torture match, and yeah, that, we could have cut that. Well, well yeah. <laughs> then we wouldn't have any Bullet Club representation here. We're, we're talking about this before we start recording. You stated like, like it's a bad thing in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> when um when I went like when I woke up and started the show, I did not expect a five hours. I did not think I was watching a Wrestle Kingdom level show. It was nine. Time. It was nine matches. I know. Right? I just I didn't nine think they're pre-show. Five- I didn't think they're getting five hours. I thought we were going to get like a, a a smooth three and a half hour show. Literally, you, you know what? You would have had had it been Rossi booking this show, but it was a New Japan card, so everything had to go super long. Oh, so everything bad is Gator's fault. Okay, Rich, how long was the Budokan <laughs> Hall show that went ten matches? I'm just joking. I don't care. Three and a half hours. Starting just gets the fuck on. Like it goes on and moves. Moves, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the next match we had uh, it was Great Muta's quote unquote last uh, New Japan match. So Great Muta was teaming up with Kazuchika Okada and Toro Yano. They defeated the United Empire team of Aaron Hanare, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb. Nine minutes and forty eight seconds. Keep getting them shares, Great Muta. <laughs> KG Muto, <laughs> man, Muto. Look, Muto went out, came out there, and was sorry. Like, what <laughs> shit? Like, don't look. We've been saying this for for a while now. The only thing this man has are shining with or shining wizards, uh, shining elbows, missed it, it miss and and dragon screws. That's all he has. He has nothing else, and that's what was on display here. Um, there was and, no moon salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No moon salt. Um, They're saving like, that for the dome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to have Great Muta's last New Japan Tokyo Dome match. Correct. Well, no, Correct. no, no. This this was Great Muta's last match. Right. No one has said Kiji anything Muto. about Kiji Muto's last New Japan match. I, I thought fully, that was uh one that one that what was the bill for Wrestle Kingdom three uh Wrestle Kingdom nine three last year? No, I mean it wasn't formally announced. In okay, that I, 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 I didn't I, I misremembered that then. Okay, never mind. I, I fully expect Kiji Muto to have a match on one four, a hundred percent. Yeah, I I think I th- I pitched a, a match to Josh earlier, which I could see pretty plausible because Naito's kind of not doing anything. Naito, uh, oh my god! So you know be... what? You know what's funny is like I actually uh-uh. said that on the air, and I forgot you were the one who told it to me, and I thought that I came up with it, but you're right. Like I think that that's the match. It's like Tanahashi and Muto against Naito and Sonata. Yeah, and that's the match that I I brought up as well. I think that's what they're gonna do because none of those guys are doing anything Look. else. It's better than uh, I thought you were saying they're gonna just do like Muto versus Naito. Like, right? I was like, oh Bro, man, that's awful. I during the preview for this show, I was nervous that because he was teamed up with Okada and they have nothing to do with one another, that this was going to be a bridge to getting an Okada versus Muto title match in like February or March before his like you know retirement. 
It might be. You should, you ain't out of the water on that. Yeah, we're still not. There's still plenty <laughs> say, of time for that to play out. You say you as though like I'm New Japan. Like yes, you. <laughs> <laughs> James is not amused by this. <laughs> I, I, the one thing I will say, Great Muda, aside from his time in Jim Crockett, has never been a great wrestler. Like even when. Kijimuto was a good wrestler. Great Muda was never like all the things you guys listed that he's just, you know, this, this, and this. Well, yeah, that's all Great Muda's ever been. He's never had great matches. So this kind of worked for me in that context. I mean, I I, I, I kind of like the Liger. I kind of like the Liger match when Kishin Liger came out, but whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, whatever. I like that. I like his matches, but he himself, they're, they're more spectacle based. They're more. Yeah, that's true. You're absolutely you know. right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I was just pointing out, it's like, even while that is the case. Yeah. The man can't move. Right. He <laughs> yeah. just, he, like, did you see him come go down the stairs? Yeah, that man was struggling. Yeah, he's bow-legged. He's, he's having a lot of issues. It's like, bro, uh, just just go home and stay there. That, that man was hitting dull wizards, not not shiny wizards. No. Look, <laughs> look, them wizards were not making no contact. <laughs> None. Uh, one thing I will say, though, is that it, regardless of what you feel about Kijimuto or the Great Muda, uh, I thought that the the trio that he was against were great. They played off of him impeccably. Yes. And I don't know if you guys saw the post match. They, you know, they uh, basically there was the mist into Jeff Cobb's face, which was the green mist, and then there was the red mist that went into Great Okan's eyes. Well, during yeah. the post match, uh, like promo. Um, Jeff Cobb cut one of the fieriest, like, you know, promos, but because he was blinded, he was facing the poster the entire time. So his back's to the camera. (laughs) (laughs) I I missed that because like, I ended up um, having to like skip through like non-match sections to kind of catch up. But yeah, uh, that's, that's hilarious. He's like, he's like, great Buddha. We're going to get you. (laughs) (laughs) Because he doesn't know which way to face. It's so funny. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this match, it was what it was. Nice. It's a nice moment for, for great Muta. Do y'all have a story for this match? Two and a half. I'd go like three. I, I, I think, yeah, I think I went three. I gave, it two, I gave it two and three quarters. It was fine for what it was. I mean, it was, it was just, a, really, you know, yeah, Muta send off. Judging this seriously. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I was like the reason he look, was is because it's technically a stardom show. I mean, I, I rate all these things, so it's like yeah. whatever. All right, let's uh, move on to the semi. Muda's out here bringing down the average. He was. <laughs> he, he really was <laughs> on a team with Toroyano. We're playing right. Muda, right? <laughs> right, like bro, Okado's in the match for only like the, the closing sequence. He wasn't in for any other part. And I was like, hey man, this is. I know Okada's on this ring, on up on this apron. Like, what is this? What? Why did they put me into this situation here? Like, we're not even like Yano fans like that, but. James really hates Yano, so I didn't even think about that. Yano's just completely. I don't hate him. I just find him to be useless. Right. <laughs> okay. That's. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate him. Like I just think I just like he's not for me, and like the stuff he does annoys me. I don't hate him. Like I'm trying to think of wrestlers I actually hate. All I'm saying is. Those I just like, but let's I'm doing I'm not, I'm not, I'm, 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 I
Sure. You're right on that part. Like, I'm not a fan of his at all. All right, uh, moving on to the semi-main event. We had the IWGP United States heavyweight title on the line. The champion, the Commonwealth Kingpin, Will Ospreay. He defends and defeats the roughneck shooter, Shota Umino, 23 minutes and 30 seconds. This is an awesome match, man. Um Shota Umino is uh, very impressive. Um, he looks like he's uh, rededicated himself to uh, physical fitness from like that time where he was kind of at his low uh, in the UK, where we get all those bad reports about him. Ever since I've I saw him at Forbidden Door, it feels like he's turned this thing all the way around. I think he's going to be a superstar. Um, I have no worries about him, and he is needed uh, in the landscape of uh, of New Japan. He's he's I think he's got it all and he's there's somebody he's he's going to be replacing. I'm not going to put it on air, but I'm just going to sit with with that thought for myself. Is it basically uh, the same person? He has the same hair and goatee as. I'd rather not say. (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, another another one for Will. Um, We already know like how talented this guy is and. um, this was this match was sensational. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Uh, I, I think over the past year, from the previous two matches that these two guys had, uh, me and Jeremy both said on the air that like the tools are there, but they haven't fully put it together. There's definitely a better match that's you know down the pipeline for them, and they went out there and they really delivered it here. I think they took all the best parts of the UK match and expanded on it and just told a much better story. And this is the most complete, like you mentioned, Rich, the most complete uh, that we've seen Shooter Omino look, you know, especially in this past, like maybe six months where they've really started to tease and play around with the idea of bringing him back, giving giving him different high profile matches. This is the one where he like really knocked it out of the park and showed that he is able to hang on that level for a prolonged period of time in a new Japan style main event, you know, working the house style. So I thought the match was great. I thought the story was great. I loved Will Ospreay's uh, entrance attire, the homage to uh, Hayabusa. Like that was really cool. And then obviously we'll talk about the post match, but this was, I thought it was a really, really great match. I went four and a half on it. Yeah. Yeah, That's why I had it at two. So, yeah, yeah, four and a half. Really uh, awesome matchup. Uh, I, th- I thought Umino was wrestling his ass off. Like he was showing, like, all right, like I am here to to be the next top star in this promotion. I thought he looked the most crisp. I've seen him look the best shape. Mm-hmm. I've seen him look the most confident. I've seen him look. You know, a lot of times what Rich was talking about on excursion, like he was put in these big spots. He had matches with Osprey. He had matches with Rookie Knight Junior. You know, you put him in some of these big spots, and he did not look confident. The other guys were kind of carrying him, but now it's it's completely different. Like, he has full confidence. Like wrestling was great, super speed. He was keeping up with Osprey. I really enjoyed Umino here, and I think you know he's kind of getting it's almost the, the Jay White treatment here, where you lose your first big singles match, but then that ultimately will catapult you into bigger and better things. 
And I like the uh, dynamic with his dad, too, because it's like it's clearly there. And Red Shoes, like, doesn't even want to look at him at times. Like, mm. and, and he he so badly wants to treat him like every other wrestler or whatever. But you just you just kind of always see it there. And like the day like Red Shoes like breaks, like when he wins like the IWGP title or something, that's just going to be special. Mm. Um, OK, so I have a question. Maybe it's because I was up against time on this. I like I gave it four and a half like y'all did. But I felt like at times in this match, it felt like it's a it, it's a total Osprey match. Do you guys feel like you know what a Shota Umino match feels like or looks like yet? No, not yet. No. Um, okay. And I mean, but we kind of felt that way about I don't Jake. I'm not saying that's a, as if it's a bad thing. I'm just saying sure. do you feel like you know yet? What what his actual thing is? This felt like just a total entire Will Osprey production. The only um, young line I can remember returning from excursion and being fully formed and being able to di- dictate the style of the match was uh, probably Hiromu, and after okay. him, nobody. Uh, it's pretty okay. rare that they come in and you know are at that level to where you kind of know what their match looks like. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, overall, thought it was a really great matchup. Uh, yeah. The the closing stretch, they did play off the, the Royal Quest match with the, the elbows mm-hmm. to the back of the head, but uh, Umino got to the ropes, and then just the closing sequence with Osprey killing this man with uh, the, the hidden blade leading into the, the Stormbreaker, getting the big win there. And, of course, uh, post-match, we got the, the big news. The the, the screen, uh, the lights went down in the arena, and... Uh, one Kenny Omega appears on the screen talking about how, you know, he's come to save the promotion. The, the, the crowds got smaller. They, they got quiet. Uh, he, he's here to, you know, change that all no that. COVID, you know, the real virus is, is will. will. Yes. And he said, you know, when New Japan called him, he, he was surprised that he, he's not interested. But in the in the good for pro wrestling and to save this promotion, he's going <laughs> to do it. He's going to wrestle Will Ospreay January 4th for the IWGP U.S. title. And, you know, we, we had a lot of questions about, about this match in the segment. I'm just going to run through these questions and we can just kind of have a, a discussion about this. Um, so, Craigie D said, who should Ospreay lose a U.S. title to? Viking Payne says, I know you guys are Kenny Omega fans, but Will Ospreay should not be losing to another outsider like him. If Gato feeds the best wrestler in the world who's signed to the company and not even 30 to 40 year old Kenny Omega, who's not even a part of the company anymore, I'm done with New Japan. Less Commission 7252 says, do you think that the match between Omega and Osprey will be the same level of attraction a few years ago between Jericho and Omega? The suspension of the elite stall a feud, both the return of Omega back to Japan and having his first match back in the Tokyo Dome. In over three years, this feels like the biggest attraction at Wrestle Kingdom ever since Alpha and Omega. And with Chris Charlton acknowledging that Omega vs. Osprey might as well be the main event, do you guys think that it's right for New Japan to hold a vote for the fans to see who would represent the main event at Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, Adam says, there were lots of hints throughout the show. They'll be cheering in the Dome next year from Kevin Kelly in the commentary to Kenny saying it, it wasn't because of the pandemic that people weren't cheering. When do you? Th- what do you think the odds are that we get cheering? I'm a six for ten right now. Uh, Rambo and Slam Pick says, "What's well, the chance that any other match can top what Osprey and Kenny are about to unleash on us at the Dome? 
is the world title match going on after them a mistake giving the relative coldness of that program and the dark soldier says even though it's disrespectful to the world title should wrestle kingdom main event with the u.s title match it already feels hotter than the world title match and more fresh though i want okada and jay to have a great match omega and osprey feels more special and more like a main event a lot of questions <laughs> saying the same thing. Yes. <laughs> All hail Caesar's home. And he's returning <laughs> to the dome. <laughs> the only thing I thought when I listened to this was, you know, Kenny was telling Will that there was no real virus, that the real virus was Will Osprey. I mean, it sounds a little bit, you know, deniery of Kenny, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, Obviously, like the whole promo was saying, like the crowds were quiet, and he goes, like, "Well, people say it was a pandemic, but it wasn't really. It was like, yeah, it was a pandemic. They have masks on. It's illegal for them to talk. What are you talking about, Kenny? Like, he's just being a dick. It is great because, like, Kenny Omega's at his best when he is a smug dick to Japanese to a Japanese audience. So yeah, that's how it works. They they broke the law though that day when that when that video came on. They they sound like they love him. They broke the law when Ken. They broke the law when what's name broke out the uh, one wing angel in the grand or the grand prix. I I do this now where like I interchange like grand prix and G one now depending on whichever one I'm not talking about now. Anyway, (laughs) like when they did the Osprey and Okada um, final when he hit the um, one wing angel, like the crowd broke the law then too. Like it's a it's a thing. Man, I'm I. I uh it's fitting that on the week of you know uh we make our return or I, I make my return to keeping a strong style. Kenny Omega shows back up in New <laughs> Japan. What what fortuitous timing here. Um you know, I, I welcome the um the the pure elitists to, to get upset about Kenny Omega coming back to the dome. I, I welcome all the old memories of of bitterness and, and anger and and resentment uh for, for, for the best bout machine, a Hall of Famer. Um uh, you know, I'm I'm reading this question from Viking Payne. Shout out to him. Um it, it was pretty interesting. Um so uh these I think these are some some things you should consider, right? Because he's you know the last thing he wrapped it up with was he's going to be done with New Japan if Kenny wins, right? Um, he said, you know, Will's not even 30 yet. I believe Will's 29. Um, he said, 40-year-old Kenny, I believe Kenny's 39. Kenny, a man that has not displayed any ty- signs of, like, aging or falling off or anything like that. So I don't think age is the argument that you might want to make there. Um, I would consider if you're thinking about Will Ospreay New Japan Pro Wrestling, a, the partnership with AEW, there are a lot worse things that can happen than Kenny Omega winning the first match. If that if that's gonna like send you off, like consider this. If you're at you you would be asking for a big favor in that case, right? And let's keep it a buck. The company with the upper hand here is AEW between New Japan and AEW. They're doing them a solid by giving Kenny them to them that day. Now, if you're giving a clean job, say, all right, what we do the clean job for Kenny Omega. What do you think is going uh, AEW is going to ask for in return? And down the road, it can be bigger than that. Like, could they hand Kenny back the IWGP Championship? Like, these are the things like you have to consider. Like when, when you're saying like. Well, if they put it on Jay White, why couldn't they put it on Kenny Omega again? 
So right. I, I, I would, I, I would be, you know, I, I wouldn't marry yourself to the idea of like, you know, unless you're, you know, just really done with it, you know, that, that, that's your prerogative. Right. But if this is it, a true it sounds, working look, relationship, you if know. you want to be done with it over that, then you may as well just be done with it now because, like, there ain't that much that's holding you. To be honest, if this is what breaks your back, to be honest with you, like, you might as well just go on your journey without New Japan Pro Wrestling if, like, this one thing is what ends it for you. Yeah. This isn't like, go. This isn't Goldberg being shocked with the fucking cattle prod. Relax. I think. I think. I think part of the idea is that, like, if Will Ospreay loses, it's and then doesn't get his win back or something it's some sort of injustice you know there's but, no way that there's no way that they're doing this series and will osprey doesn't beat him at some point it, it, exactly yeah. i think that's kenny omega are, wouldn't do it that way no i agree and i think people are sort of missing the point that if he does lose here he's going to get the you know favor return basically yeah my other the other question i have about it is Okay, I know some people feel some sort of way about both of these guys, just depending on where they stand in their fandom. But what and what if at the end of the day, this ends up being the greatest match in the history of wrestling? Because then they'll actually- lie. Huh? <laughs> then they'll just lie and say it wasn't. You know how this goes. Yeah, they hate both of these guys. Like they they hate everything about Kenny, and they hate everything about Will because Will's really the next Kenny. And uh, all throughout this thing, in the in the promo, Kenny told the truth. It was never Jay White. Jay White's about to get sent out there after them, and, and poor Kazushka Okada that has to follow <laughs> this, Jay White. The real replacement was always Will Osprey. Will Osprey's the one everyone has been afraid of for years, just like they were afraid of Kenny. They never were. In fear or Jay White like that. Like, why? Because uh, Osprey has the same juice about pushing wrestling forward that Kenny had, and they don't like that shit, and it burns them up. And when these boys smoke the dome, I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch them lie. I'm gonna watch them scramble, and I'm gonna watch them cap. And then we gonna watch the star ratings that come in. Yeah, I mean, th- this match is going to be nothing less but incredible as far as whether or not it should main event or not i I mean that's a worthy question it's very tough obviously it's in japan and it's gonna be very hard to put two foreigners in in the main event of of the biggest show of the year but however like a lot of people mentioned this does feel like a big attraction it feels bigger than the main event you had your english commentary team saying this is bigger than any title match that you can get. So it, it does, it feels bigger than anything that's really happening right now in New Japan. And I mean, so- it wouldn't be if, like, Jay White wasn't the champion, but they made Jay White the champion. <laughs> that was their mistake. I mean, I still think it would still feel pretty big regardless who the champion was, but, I mean, yes, with the, the Jay White as champion and just how cold this um, Jay White Okada program has been, we've been talking about it the last several weeks now, I mean, they really haven't done much to really heat it up. They're doing it by the numbers, road to multi-man matchups. And because there were no briefcase offenses, there was only one Jay White tile defense this fall. They've been dragging all this, this cut and paste road to formula on since the G1s ended. We've got all these multi-man matches. There's been like no pull-aparts, no brutal attacks no scathing promos like no stipulation or no, anything like. yeah nothing it's just straight up jay okada which is gonna be a great match those guys have great matches together but it just feels there's like no buzz or anything intriguing about it 
And this is so, a direct rematch of six months ago. So like that's right. also something else working. There's a right. lot of with a with a return to. with a back to back G one winner. Um so was it last night I was talking about this Richard night before? Um last I was night, talking I about like think. okay, last night. We were like, okay, so if they're doing this Okada program, it's probably in line with like what we all thought it was gonna be like uh like after Okada, or sorry, Okada. After Osprey beat Naito, I'm um, in the semifinal of the, of the G1 um, at Budokan Hall. Um, where it's like, okay, they AEW and New Japan seem to be setting up for him to have like this, 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 like championship run, like all time thing. Where they're like they're they're putting together like you're gonna have a program with Okada. You're gonna have a program with Omega, and it's set for you to probably beat both of them and be the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, World Heavyweight Champion, whatever they call it now. Um, so if 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 that is the case, Okada obviously Osprey has to win the G1 next year because he came this close to winning it this year, and yeah. if he does that, who does he have to face at Rust Kingdom two years from now? Or for you know, like for uh, three hundred and eighty something days from now, three hundred ninety some days from now, it has to be Okada. So, if that's the case, doesn't that mean Okada is about to get the belt right back from Jay White more likely than not? So, what? Why do we even put? The, if that's the case, why do we put the belt on Jay White to begin with? Something to, to do. Something to do. Um, and, and that's how you end up with a situation where like Okada comes in. I'm sorry, Omega comes in with. Osprey, and you're like, shit. Most people won't look at this as the main event. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I fully um, agree with the projections of what's going to happen long term with the Osprey and Okada stuff, but yeah, I mean, he has to beat him at some point. No, he does. I just don't know if it's going to happen in with that exact scenario or whatever. Okay, but, that's um, fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. When, when it comes to that match in particular, it's just, yeah, it's pretty cold. I think they took the title off Okada just so he could win it back. You know, Do you think on, they should just win with Naito instead? Huh? Do you think they should just win with Naito winning G1 this year instead? I thought, no, I think Naito should have just, uh, I think Naito should have beat um, Jay White for the title in the lead up to this match. Okay. But. Um, I mean, I guess putting all that aside, I'm excited that we're getting Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega, and I feel like that's sort of lost in the discourse of all this, you know, because it's already things. started. There, there's so many other things that people are talking about, arguments, you know, all that stuff, and it's just kind of I mean, stupid. I, I just think like, a, like um, maybe it's from my perspective, it was like I think this match is one of the two one of the matches I like think of most of like the match that I most want to see between right. two people that have like never had like some big stakes match together. Or big high profile match together. He's probably the f- one of the first handful of people I put together in a matchup in that situation. And then like from there is like so yeah like I'm with it. There's nothing we really talk further discuss. And I'm thinking like all right so like what else what else is like seems to be what's more interesting to me what interesting is like how do we end up with with Okada and Jay White uh, being the presumed title match or whatever else like why did why did they think this was going to be like you know, at the time when they really need to sell tickets, why did they think this was going to be the thing that was going to put them over the top? 
so, I, I guess maybe that's you know it's unfair to like connect it that way. But like once I see that match, I'm like, all right, what's the main event? Oh, that's the main event. And then I get to those questions. That's yeah, and, and maybe it's the thing where like, the Omega Osprey thing didn't come together maybe until later, and the the plans are always Jay White Okada, and then they got handed this gem of a matchup. Uh, I mean, there was definitely times where they thought it was going to be off because of what happened with CM Punk, or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, so, yeah, that's definitely a play. It's going to be interesting because they've already done pretty well on tickets, you know, relatively speaking already. It's going to be interesting to see if they get an increase or a bump from this match in particular. It'll kind of tell a lot about the drawing ability of this particular matchup, you know? Yeah, and they're pushing international ticket sales really hard. Mm-hmm. They, they created this whole little package you can do where you get... Games like, on Monday, right? Yeah, you get meet and greets. You get to have, like, lunch with Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton and go New Year's Dash and Wrestle Kingdom. So there's this whole package New Japan's doing for international tickets and they're definitely trying to get more you know westerners and international fans over for that uh for that show and you know one night show and yeah they're they're throwing a lot of big guns here and i think yeah you know like josh mentioned ticket sales are already surpassing some of the pandemic domes and so this and it's gonna be you know kind of back to the old the old school you know one night show with a great crowd yeah um i i would be interested if they um I don't. I'm not saying it needs to go to a vote, but if they did put it to a vote, I would. It'd be, be hilarious. Res- I'd be interested in the results. <laughs> I would too, <laughs> but I mean, also, I I think it might not be the same exact feeling for the domestic audience as it is for like the Western fans. You know what? What that was Wrestle Kingdom eight, right? Yeah. What beat uh Tan- What beat uh Naito and Okada? What was it? I forgot. Tanashi and who? Na- Nakamura. Yeah, Nakamura. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm trying to see. Uh, I I don't see uh any other match that are that are, that's topping them. Uh, Rambones. Um, I don't think it's a mistake on that show. Yeah, on that show. No. Um, no. The world title going on last. You know, I think the world title should go on last. Like, but that's that's on them. Like, you know, like we we know what the real main event is. I mean, like, that used to be the Kenny Omega world title. Yeah, that Kenny's yeah. winning back the Kenny Omega world title. I. I, I would be very happy um, about that, but um, yeah, man, I, I I think I think Osprey and um, and Omega are like two of the most gifted and phenomenal wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. There's yep. a really cool story between them, as far as like you know, a lot of time in sports, like greats of that just miss each other, right? Like. You know, we never got to see LeBron and Kobe in the finals or something like that. Like it, it ju- and it's like ships passing in the night. And the fact we're getting this and like Kenny's come back off an of injury looking like as close to, you know, his peak as he's ever been. And we know what kind of run Will is on. I would just have p- tell people to enjoy like the fact that this is even fucking happening because this is like. That's this is top level shit. Like this yeah. is top level shit. Like this is like there's so much when you really break it down like that you can think about narratively that that lines up with this. And I'm and their promos are, are really heated. They've been they've been working on this thing for a while, and um, I'm sure both guys like you know want to prove something to themselves to everyone else. And you know I'm sure they have like a you know we we know like what Kenny was telling Will when uh, when Kenny left New Japan, like the, the responsibility he gave him, he didn't go up to anybody else uh, and say, you know, this this is your shit now. So like, there, I'm sure there's a lot of respect between those guys. I think it's going to be uh, cool to see play out in the ring. There, there was also that um, 
sort of dream match essence to it, similar to what we saw when Jericho did the same thing to Kenny Omega. And Mm -hmm. if this match had happened in any other time in their careers, it just wouldn't be what it is today, which, you know, it's kind of crescendoing where both guys are at this, you know, top level, not just from a performance standpoint, but also character wise and they're at their hottest. So this happening now is like, from that standpoint, like this is the perfect time to do a big dream match like this. And yeah, I think we might literally see one of the greatest matches that has ever happened. I yep. Devil like sky, baby. Devil sky, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and for people who are worried about Osprey losing, I mean, post match, he's cutting a promo saying, you know, he maybe he needs to bring back the assassin. You haven't seen the aerial assassin in a while. To me, that screams Naito trying to bring back Stardust Genius and failing. So this could be Osprey mm-hmm. thinking he needs to do something, you know, be the aerial assassin to try and meet Omega, and then that costs him, and he loses. And so then he learns, like, all right, maybe I don't need to go back to the past. I need to be the Will Ospreay today to beat Omega, and you get the rematch, and he beats him then. So there's a lot of story elements that could lead to, to Osprey losing, and I think it would be fine because um, he's going to get the win back. They're going to do a story. It will be compelling. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about this more as we, you know, build to Wrestle Kingdom 17. Let's talk about this uh, main event here real quick. We had the uh, crowning of the first ever IWGP Women's Champion in the finals of this tournament. They gave out the toy. <laughs> trinket. The trinket. You know? uh, the, uh, the pirate princess, Kyrie. she defeated Mayu Iwatani 25 minutes and 28 seconds in one Heck of a main event. This was awesome. Yes. Um, I went four and three quarters on this match. I was, I think this is Kyrie's best match since she's been back. I think some of her matches have just been like, okay. And it really hasn't like, I don't think she's like really got to stretch her legs um, much in like main events, but this weekend, like kind of belonged to her, I think. And um, it was, uh, you know, it was cool to see see her win. Uh, I had picked Mayu going into it, and I, th- I think a lot of people like you know were upset Mayu lost. But um, for me, this like kind of comes down to you know what we kind of thought this belt would be, um, and we know no New, New Japan and um, you know they they like people from WWE. Um, Kyrie's a big name uh, internationally, and they're gonna they're gonna start it with her. Who says Mayu can't like you know win it one day but um i do understand like those those people that that were wanting mayu to win but this match was sensational um lots of emotion lots of just physicality and uh just kicking the shit out of each other like like this was they they came through and delivered um heavy and i was proud to have like been following stardom to to let them uh you know to, for them to uh, leave with a main event like this in this, uh, you know, uh, fashion, because there, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, people that you know, they, they like, they not beyond Josh, who's who's doing a gimmick. If you guys didn't know, um, like that, come out here and just say that they don't like Joshi, they don't understand it, they don't do anything. I feel like I could fucking put an alien uh, here and met, let them watch this match, and they could they could figure out what's going on here. <laughs> Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this match. Um, I mean, I think we could probably 
safely say this is the greatest women's match in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I enjoyed it to the point where I'm in the same rating as you, Rich. I'm four and three quarters. I thought this was for me the match of the weekend anywhere in the world, including you know AEW and what I saw in Stardom. I thought that this was a, a truly fitting, uh, you know, inaugural title crowning match um and the story that was kind of laid out with these two women and the history that they had with one another and with Kyrie leaving and then coming back and everything like that it, it just all kind of fit together the tournament was booked to crescendo here and it, it really paid off it was awesome and the match itself i mean it had a little bit of everything in there you know you saw the chain grappling you saw some of the high high speed spots you saw you know great heat and everything people were you know um there's high flying but what i loved was like the violent nature of it when they were going blow for blow and the back you know the i I forget what it's called but the back fists and just cutlass yeah there was some really really brutal stuff in here which like you know really impressed me i don't know i thought this match was incredible and, and as far as the outcome goes with Kyrie, it just to me from a business standpoint, I always thought this is what they're going to do. Uh, keep in mind, I'm not a startup viewer, so maybe being on the outside looking in, it's a little different. But to me, she's this hot commodity that they've invested into that is currently not hot and kind of needed something to catapult and push her back to the status she was previously. So I think. You know, Mayu at this point is almost sort of like Tanahashi and can be fine after a loss like this. And, you know, it still probably has a lot more to achieve. And like Rich said, probably could win this title down the road. But uh, I think not only for the audience in the West, but also for Kyrie herself, it makes sense across the board for her to be the first champion and, you know, put the attention back on her and maybe heat her back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like we've mentioned the last couple of weeks, you know, this title is going to be used for, you know, strong tours and strong pay-per-views. And Kyrie has that WWE um, experience and fan base and exposure here um, in America. So if you also, Mayu does have some exposure too, but not to that level. You know, Mayu's done a lot of, of Ring of Honor. And I think a lot of diehard fans know who she is, but I would I would assume that more people probably know who Kyrie is based off of her time in NXT and the main roster. Uh, so using her as a draw on these uh, strong tapings, these you know strong pay per views they've been doing like Windy City Riot and Capital Collision, um, you can use her to draw, especially if they they want to try and run a little bit of bigger buildings. I think that'd be an interesting attraction. But yeah, overall, the match was great. I also went uh, 4.75, and yeah, I gasped so many times at Kyrie when she was doing the spinning back fist, and she she was killing Mayu with those. And of course, Mayu's bumping around like crazy, like her her neck is you know just made of springs or you know it's Gumby clay. Um, and so yeah, they told an incredible story. Obviously, there's a ton of backstory with the whole you know being two of the three daughters of stardom. And just kind of their history here. Like we mentioned earlier, Waka added a lot of great stuff too throughout this match and how emotional she was getting and just crying as the match was um, going on. But yeah, just really, really incredible matchup. A great way to kind of kick off this you know lineage and legacy of the IWGP women's title. Dr. Josie, tag in. Hot tag. Um, 
I don't have much more to say than what y'all already said. Um, I will say that, like, you know, I my stupid phone like gave me a push notification in the middle of recording the the you know post show thing for um um all out or sorry not all out um full, um full gear yesterday so like in the middle of the podcast i looked down at my phone's post notification it says Kyrie wins iwgp fuck tam Akano, J- fuck like what anyway so like uh, you know uh, my um my initial viewing thing is ruined i'm gonna have to watch it again to get an idea of like you know like how i felt watching it for real because like i i'm always lower on matches that i've already when i already know the result and then like the second time watching i kind of get like an actual deeper appreciation for the match but um generally speaking like this is very much like their last two title matches from 2015 to 17 um uh the red belt match was in 2015 2017 was the white belt match uh Kyrie won the 2015 match for red belt uh mayu won the white belt match in 2017 before Kyrie left for wwe um and it fits in line it's a it's more physical than both of those just from the brutality of uh the in um just the brutality of like the spinning back fist but Generally speaking, like Kyrie, when she has big title matches, when she was in stardom at first before she left for WWE, was like, I am going to work over your core. I'm going to work over your core, like Bret Hart style. There's going to be obviously I'm going to do other stuff besides it, but like I'm going to focus on your core and then I'm going to drop an elbow on your back and I'm going to flip you over and drop an elbow on your chest and you can't kick out because you're done and you can't bridge out nothing because your, your core is destroyed. Mayu always answer with, I'm just going to destroy her right arm, her right arm. So we're like, she, if she's going to eventually get up there, drop an elbow, it's going to come at a cost in very similar to, you know, you have messed up ribs, you hit a frog splash, you have to sell and you can't get the fifth and fall because you're in so much pain. And, and that's always been a trade between both of them. And this was cla- their classic story of them doing that. But with that twist of like the brutality and the incredible selling and like, this is the reason why I've said that like Mayu is like the best combination bumper seller I've ever seen. That right there is on display. Um, and I mean, they, they just had a, they just had a great match. This is, this is their best match that I've seen them have. Um, and like those matches that I, that I said from 2015, 17, like those are the reasons why like we're here covering this. And that's the reason why like we started covering one H one H started covering stardom was like going through, like watching Kyrie in in, in um in uh, NXT and hearing that there's another woman like named Mayu Iwatani and Io Shirai and Io comes to WWE and I'm like all right let's let me look around and see like see their matches and is being blown away from their matches with each other and their matches with Mako Satomura and just being like I gotta watch this I just gotta watch this and like this was what was I this is what I was seeing I don't think this was this isn't the best starter match ever or anything like that, but um, this is the best Kyrie match. It's one of it's I think it's on the top shorthand list though. But like, um, it it, was, it felt really good to see her this weekend kind of reach back and like be the person that like I you know would like go into their vault and look at and kind of be like, what was she like outside of WWE before? And just to see like the, the Mako matches or the EO matches or the Mayu matches or matches with like, you know, foreign foreign uh foreigners that like weren't all that good, but see how she could carry it in, in um in big matches and stuff and with some of the younger wrestlers that are now more experienced and some of the best wrestlers in the world. And like it was like, you know, all that time away from or in WWE, like being told like less is more all the time and to slow down and 
uh, don't hit as hard or, or all this other stuff she was told like that was against her like instinctual training for what she was put through like from Fuka and Nanai and all those other people um, to see that like you know ever since she first came back you can kind of see like the, the physicality picked right back up like her, her first weekend back like she did a shoot head butt and then like ruptured her eardrum right but to 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 get back to this point where it's like oh someone's face might get broken right at that point we're, we're back at that point now with Kyrie in the journey uh so like that was really fun and Mayu like you know she's my favorite wrestler for a reason um when back against the wall big stakes she does this Rich has seen it right like the, the, the you know the um the 2020 series with uh Takumi Aroha was this it was, it was this level of violence I think those matches were better than this, but still same thing. It's just she can when she wants to like bring out like the killer super physical, this may be going beyond the pale type of thing, she can do that. Um, and it was cool to see her dust that off because she really hasn't done that um much since she lost the red belt in 2020. Um, so I you know, I, I love the match and was super happy. And like for those two, I know they were happy that they could have that match with you know, the top the stuff they've ever they've been able to do with each other in the past. Like, I know they told the story of Mayu never said she never liked each other. That's bullshit to friends. That's just she's kayfabing to try to add to the story of like them at the end, like when they're both in tears on the floor on, on the mat. Like that was the get to that point. And like it, it was awesome. It was one of the more emotional matches in stardom in um the last few years. It was awesome. What do you make of the um the uh you know a lot of people upset like about Mayu not not being the one to get the uh get tapped on her head for the for the belt. So Waka <laughs> look Waka Waka is not in, in star. She is not being led by Mayu Atani, but she was like she was a mess for Mayu. Uh but yeah um I can understand the frustration of that uh you know because people have the thing about part timers or whatever else. Um there's also the part where like the IWGP women's title more or less is uh, serving the same function the SWA belt had and Mayu relinquished that belt mm-hmm. um, recently to get this, to focus on this belt. And now like she doesn't have it. Um, so um, I can understand being frustrated. Cause like, you know, regardless of whatever Kyrie does with it, um, those matches are gonna be great, but like she's not as she's not as good as Mayu is. But whatever, um, Mayu's gonna have another run before it's all over, said and done. Like she has a movie coming out, I think next year or 2024. So she'll have the run then. It'll be fine. Um, now, uh, you know, I didn't see. I had to after the match ended like quickly. I couldn't get to the post match interaction between whatever Tam and Kyrie said. But like Tam and Kyrie, like since since the first press conference when Kyrie came back, the first person she said she wanted to face in a singles competition was was Tam. So I mentioned to see that. Apparently, that's on uh, for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. yeah so yeah, right? Tam came out and challenged. So it is official. January fourth, the first defense of the IWGB Women's Title will be Kyrie defending against Tam Nakano. That's gonna be fun. That's the first match I wanted to see Kyrie have coming back. Like I'm a I'm a big Tam fan because like Tam's my second favorite wrestler. Uh, like I became a fan of Tam because she reminded me so much of <laughs> it, honestly because of these two. Like she reminds me so much of Kyrie, and then like at the time Tam was like like this hype woman for Mayu. Like Mayu's the greatest. She's awesome. All I want to do is be a tag team partner. 
she's so great. And then like over time as she grows, you see like, nah, she's fucking great too. Um, so yeah, like it's really interesting to see like these two similar similar ages, similar sizes, similar mind or thought processes for like selling and putting over stuff. Like it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. Like it's gonna I I I I don't think it'll be as good as this. I don't think so. Maybe who we'll see, but like um their exchange in um Sumo Hall early this year like was electric um in their tag match. So like I'm not gonna put a limit on what they could do, but like at the worst it'll be great. Yeah. So we had a few questions here. Let's answer these uh, pretty quickly so we can get out of here. Uh MJS PR says, How would you like to see the IGP women's title used? Where should it be positioned on cards? What style of matches do you expect to see? I mean, if Kyrie has it, like this is gonna be kind of template. It's gonna be emotional and physical, and like it's gonna tell logical storytelling, uh logical stories, like from point A to point B of why things hurt and why and how it progresses, whatever else. Like she's an incredible storyteller. So that's what it's going to be while she has the belt. Yeah, and I think, you know, having it on Wrestle Kingdom, Dominions, G1 Finals, Secure Genesis, you have them on the big shows, and then you put them on strong, you do some strong pay-per-views. I think that's where a good spot for it to be. I could see it, like, third from the top, like, at at certain places, uh, maybe fourth from the top. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Dark Soldier says, should Kyrie have brought in her crewmates to celebrate? She's a pirate. She also has to have a crew in her <laughs> ship. She does not have a crew as of right now. Uh, the closest thing that she has to a crew is like an assortment of friendships over over time. So um, it, um, if you notice, like the only person that she had um, at ringside with her um, on Sunday night was uh, Nasapoy. Nasapoy was... Um, in a different promotion when she first started. Um, same for Tam. Uh, but like as that company was starting up, um, Kyrie had Nasapoy around. So like there was there was always like a mentorship thing around. So like Nasapoy ended up naturally or not naturally, but it eventually ended up in stardom. And then Kyrie came back and it was like, oh, big homie is here and I'm actually here now. And so they they struck restruck their rekindled their friendship in a way. Um there's also um, as I mentioned with Tam and, and Kyrie, like there's a mutual respect. Uh, so like Tam will accompany her every so often. And then there's also Nanai Takahashi, the first red belt champion in stardom. Um, she's right, back in stardom. <laughs> yeah. They were, a ta- they once a tag team and they came in on Kyrie's bike one time. And so people named it up like the, the undertaker ba- American badass rolling, um, <laughs> thing. Yeah. So like, Ky- so like uh, a lot of the pay-per-views that Kyrie's on, Nanai will also be on as well. So like, there'll also be, a co- she also will accompany her or corner her at times too. Uh, so yeah, like she has, she kind of has a loose, she doesn't have any real like strict associations, or alliances, or like she's not in a faction, but she has so, a few friends here and there right now in stardom. And uh, then moving on to the last question, because the other two questions I feel like we answered. So, uh, Rambo and Sandpig says, What mixed gender tag team displayed the best chemistry at historic crossover? Hmm. I think it was probably Shuri and ZSJ. You mean Julia and ZSJ? Oh, that's what I meant. My bad. Hmm. I'll probably say Meltier and Kanemaru and Taichi because of the stuff they like the stuff they set up and then the stuff they actually pulled off in their match mm. and then like uh, and then the chemistry post match where like 
you know, Taichi's like, you know what, you should, you should, you should be the first person to challenge at Wrestle Kingdom for for the IWGP belt. Like, I, I storyline, all the all the stuff is in place, like long term of sowing seeds for all of that, and then the match happened. So I, I'll go with them. I'm gonna go with Hiroshi Tanahashi and um, Utami Hayashisha. Their love share, of beating up Micah. Their shared <laughs> love of beating women and. and, and you know. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go also uh, with Julia and Zack Saber. I felt like yeah, they gelled together uh, really well, and I would like to see them kind of do some more stuff in the future. Well, all right, guys, that's going to uh, wrap up our historic crossover pay-per-view. I guess we should all do our plugs since there's multiple. Nah, you just do the plugs. I ain't got to do it. <laughs> all right, so all the plugs, you could uh, follow the uh, One Nation Radio at One Nation Radio on Twitter. Listen to them on either their solo feed or the Social Suplex Podcast Network feed. Check out their Twitch channel. You can watch their shows live stream on there. Uh, for us, you can follow the show at KI Strong Style. Uh, of course, we drop here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Also, you can subscribe to our individual feed as well. Pleasure uh, being on with you guys and um, looking forward to uh, Wrestle Kingdom season. Yeah. You know, New Japan's back, baby. Goodbye and good night. <laughs> Bang. Bang. All right, and we are back. Always fun, uh, you know, chatting up with yes, Rich back, and James. Back, back, <laughs> back again, again, yeah, uh, yeah. So great to uh, speak with those guys. I think we've done. Have we done one other episode of One Nation Radio where it was the two of us? I believe. Yeah, actually, you know what we did. There actually was a keeping a strong style with the four of us. Now I think really? about it, it was New Orleans, the the Mania weekend. Ah, where you and Rich yeah, yeah, were yeah, arguing yeah. over Cody. Yeah, and I was right. Look who's a superstar now. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. love to talk shit about our guests when they're not on the air and they can't retort me in any way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm just playing. Um, yeah, I guess we did. But we've never done like a remote version like this so yeah it, it's going to be interesting because it's the first time we've ever done simulcast quote-unquote audio so uh the last segment that you just heard that will also be airing on one nation radio so you can catch it here you can catch it there i believe that we're gonna i believe that the uh version that they have is also going to be accompanied with uh video which we don't do live video but um you know, maybe I'm selling you to go over there and give them your t- <laughs> your download as well. But uh, I think uh, how's that? How do they do that? Is that on Twitch? Yeah, you go to the One Nation Radio Twitch channel. Uh, check out. You know, Rich normally tweets out the link for the Twitch, and yeah, you can watch the show live on Twitch. And I believe there there'll be video replays. And of course, Rich also does a lot of clips that goes up on the Social Suplex YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that. Cause a lot of funny clips from uh, Rich and James on there on that channel. Yeah, I told Rich, I was like, oh, we're doing video. Like, we don't do video. I got to get presentable. And he was like, for the hoes. <laughs> oh, uh, when, man. When, when realistically, if you are a female listening to our show, we greatly appreciate because I'm sure that the demographics uh, are, like, primarily male. <laughs> yeah, other than Spotify, I think the demo is, like, 18 to 34, mostly males. Gotcha. Well, I didn't know Spotify like tells you that info. Yeah. Does it say the percentage breakdown? It does. Yeah. Like, what's the percentage of like females that listen to the show? Hold on. Let me let me pull it up. Hold on. Let's see here. 
Well, while he's doing that, we will eagerly anticipate. I didn't know that the show was going to go this way, but, uh, you know, I think we're holding off from, you know, discussing the many, many nights of World Tag League. By the way, as you guys are listening, Jeremy has already done God's work this week. He's already watched the first night of, you know, World Tag League slash uh, Junior Tag League. So he'll be able to give you a little bit of insight to what he saw. On that first night, maybe that will cut down his workload for next week. <laughs> are you going to have a, a, a guest on the show with you, or are you, you going to do it by yourself? You think? Uh, I'll, I'm going to try and reach out to somebody, but um, we'll see if I can get anybody. If not, then I'll, I'll do a solo show. Gotcha. All right, so, so here's the stats here. So we have... And this is just... This is just... Uh, just Spotify. Spotify. So this is not like encompassing from all the downloads we get from like other platforms correct correct okay so we have 91 percent male wow um, that's i mean that's like less than i thought it would be i thought it would be like 98 with like a two percent <laughs> female audience I, I like hopefully we're not like i don't know hopefully this is like a welcoming podcast environment. yeah well <laughs> i don't know i I don't ever put that much thought into like who's actually listening because to me it's just you and me having a discussion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's always weird when I like actually put any like consideration to the idea that there are a lot of people in the community that are actually listening to this for entertainment and then also for information about New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of weird in that way because I don't I don't think about that that much at all. You know? Yeah. And I definitely don't think about uh, who's on the other side of of the show. Not that I don't appreciate it. I just it's almost hard for me to kind of uh, imagine. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's kind of like uh, humbling in a way if you think about it. And our our biggest age demo is the twenty eight to thirty four males. So a hundred percent of the twenty eight to thirty four all being males. Forty three percent overall of the listenership is twenty eight to thirty four males. A hundred percent. So, like a hundred percent out of the twenty to thirty-four, all of them are males who listen to the show. Gotcha. So, like, we so we don't really skew young or like we're right in that like, like you said, you said twenty-eight to thirty-four. Yeah, so forty-three percent of our audience is twenty. So basically, people like us specifically. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so there you go. Keeping a strong style audience breakdown. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't remember. Where, oh, we were watching the AEW pay per view the other night, and I was making a joke, and it's like you know how like people talk about like the old head uh, podcasters and how they're like so out of touch and stuff. Yeah, and, and be like, oh, you still listen to Cornette? Like, are you an idiot? That's <laughs> what it's gonna be like with uh, or like people are like, you still listen to Dave Meltzer? What's wrong with you? That's gonna be us when we never stop doing the podcast at all. Yeah, like <laughs> thirty years from now, they're yeah. like, why do you, why do you listen to those dudes from Keeping a Strong Style? I don't know the fuck they're talking about. Well, you're like, yeah, we're gonna be like cover like New Japan's not gonna be existing anymore. We're gonna be like covering this like <laughs> retro. Why, why do you even listen to them? They're just they just review old 2017 shows from New Japan. That company hasn't existed for 25 years. Like Tony Khan bought them so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> NXT Japan is the only real Japanese wrestling. <laughs> oh man! Well, I guess we should talk about um, World Tag League. Uh, like I was mentioning, Jeremy, you watched today's show. Unfortunately, I was not able to get around to checking that out. But uh, it looks like from what I, from the tweet I saw you send out, good things, right? 
Yeah, pretty uh, fun show. So the night one show that was uh, today, November 21st. Uh, so let's run through the card real quick. I won't give results, so that way I know probably people haven't had time to watch the show yet. I'll just kind of give some my thought, overall thoughts. So the show opened up. We had Vegeta and Nakajima. Then we had Makabe and Hanuma teaming up with Oscar Libu and Ryo Oiwa to take on Aaron Hanare, Great Okan, and Aussie Open. Uh, we had Suzuki Goons, Despi, Suzuki, and Taichi taking on Hiromu, Shingo, and Naito. And then the Junior Tag League action kicked off. We had Alex Zane and L. Lindemann against Kevin Knight and Kushida. Um, Alex Zane coming out, he has uh, the Strong Hearts logo written on his wrist tape. And so it seems like he is a you know honorary member of Strong Hearts for this tour. Uh, that was a really fun matchup. Kevin Knight's dropkick, incredible. Him and Kushida actually make a uh, pretty good uh, team. So that was a fun way to start the tournament off. Lots of flips. Um, then we had uh, Wild Hips, Clark Connors, Taguchi against Doki and Kanamaru. Another solid matchup there. Then uh, Flying Tiger versus uh, Robbie. Uh, Flying Tiger, Robbie Eagles, and Tiger Mask against uh, House of Torture's Dick Togo and Sho. Uh, I mean, it's House of Torture. There were some shenanigans, but overall still a, a pretty fun match. Um, and then we had the Bull Club team of Ace Austin and Chris Bay against Bushi and Teton. Chris Bay's uh, Japan Debut, really fun match. Crowd was really into uh, that team, that both those teams there, and thought Chris Bay looked good in his uh, Japan debut. And then the main event, the champions catch 2-2, Francisco Akira and TJP against the chaos team of Leo Rush and Yo. And I say, man, catch 2-2, super over. They were more popular than Yo and Leo Rush. Got tons of fan support in this match. And this was a really great main event here. Good way to end this show. Um, Man, this Catch 2-2 team is just awesome. I'm glad they put these guys together. And so definitely should check that main event out. If if anything at all, went uh, four stars uh, flat on it. The show is free on NJPW World. So if you don't have a subscription or some months you cut your subscription, well, check it out. The show is free on NJPW World. Are, is it just the opening night, or are there several nights airing for free uh, with this tour? I'm not 100% sure. I think maybe these first two Corkin nights might end up being free, um, but th- that wasn't now, clear. Did, did you watch uh, with the Japanese commentary? Did you listen to the uh, English commentary, Chris Charlton and his special guest, which I believe was Chase Owens. Yeah, so I did listen to English, Chris Charlton and uh, Chase Owens. Chase Owens, hilarious and awesome. He had, he had a lot of great uh, one-liners uh, throughout the night. So, yeah, he was really good on there. And um, Alex Zane will be on commentary tomorrow when the World Tag League kicks off. Gotcha. So, I mean, how did Chris do? Because typically he's not a play-by-play guy. I thought he did pretty good. I mean, you know, he was calling the action. You you had Chase in there to kind of, like, add the color, tell some stories, and, you know, just having some, like, funny reactions, just kind of telling his feeling on things. So I thought they made a good duo. I thought, you know, Chris did uh, pretty good without Kevin Kelly being there. And so, yeah, overall, it was enjoyable. So between next week's show and this week's show, there will have been, in total, seven nights of this tour, which is a 17-night tour. So that's a pretty hefty portion of it. We're going to go through the nights here very briefly. You know, I was looking over this. I think we could probably just give people the tournament matches. What do you think? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So night two, uh, November 22nd, um, we have Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd taking on the TMDK team of 
uh, Mikey Nichols, Shane Haste. Uh, after that, there's the Suzuki Goon team of Archer and Suzuki taking on Fallen Owens. Uh, sixth match of the night, Bishamon will be facing off against the House of Torture. Aussie Open against Bebop tag team. And then in your main event, you have LIJ against Aaron Hanare and Great O'Con. Then on night three, we return to the Super Junior Tag League. First matchup will be Kevin Knight and Kushida against Dick Togo and Sho. Then Clark Connors and Rizkataguchi against Bushi and Teton. Flying Tiger will take on Leo Rush and Yo. In the semi-main event, Doki and Kanemaru will take on Ace Austin and Chris Bay. And your main event will be Alex Zane and El Lindemann against Catch Tutu, Francisco Akira, and TJP. Night four, jumping uh, back into Super Junior Tag League action. Uh, we have Kevin Knight and Kushida taking on the team of Chaos, Leo Rush, and Yo. Fifth match of the night, Clark Connors and Ryuzuki Taguchi taking on Alex Zane and L. Lindemann. Sixth match of the night, Flying Tiger against Doki and Kanemaru. Semi-main event, Bull Club team of Ace Austin and Chris Bay take on the House of Tortures, Dick Togo and Cho. And then in your main event, you have the uh, IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, Catch 2-2, taking on the team of LIJ, Bushi, and Teton, which is a return match from the multiple series of matches that they had on the previous tour. So that's a much-anticipated match. Yeah. Then uh, night five, November 26th, we are at the World Tag League. So we'll kick off with Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd against Nada and Naito. Then TMDK's Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes against United Empire's Aaron Hanare and Great O'Conn. Bull Club's Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens against House of Torture's Evil and Yujiro. So Bull Club versus Bull Club there. Then we've got the Bebop Tag Team. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toriano against Suzuki Goons, Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. And then the main event of this show will be Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis against Bishamon, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Night six, we have a combination of all tag tournament matches between the two different tournaments. So first match of the night, Kevin Knight and Kushida taking, take on the LIJ team of Bushi and Teton. Second match of the night, World Tag League. Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd take on the United Empire's Aaron Hanar and Great O'Conn. Third match of the night, Zane and Lindemann take on the House of Torture show and Dick Togo. Fourth match of the night, Aussie Opens, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis take on Suzuki Goon's team of Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. Fifth match of the night, Clark Connors and Rizuki Taguchi take on the Bull Club team of Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Sixth match of the night, Bebop Tag Team take on the Bull Club's Fale and Chase Owens. Seventh match of the night, Cast team of Leo Rush and Yo take on the Suzuki Goon team of Doki and Kanemaru. Eighth match of the night, TMDK take on the House of Torture and Heavyweight Tag Action. Semi main event is Flying Tiger against Catch 22. And then your main event is Bishamon against LIJ, Sonata, and Naito, which those are two really great main events back to back. Yeah. So then night seven, November 28th, we'll be back to just a Super Junior Tag Night. So we'll have. Clark Connors and Rich Kataguchi against Kevin Knight and Kushida. Catch 2-2 versus Sho and Dick Togo. Flying Tiger versus Elendeman and Alex Zane. Bushi and Teton versus Doki and Kanemaru. And then the main event will be Leo Rush and Yo versus Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things thinking about this tour Obviously, I made mention earlier that typically like the 13th, 14th or 15th is usually when the tour begins. 
and this year it's been pushed back to like the 21st so they lost essentially almost a week and that's probably the main reason why most of the tour is very abbreviated especially considering that in the past i know in the past couple years like during the pandemic we had both world tag league and best of the super juniors but uh prior to that it used to just be world tag league so you got more rest down period you know during that tour and with them combining two tag tournaments back to back in an abbreviated amount of time i think it kind of necessitated new japan needing to do these 17 nights in you know very short order essentially right yeah so yeah make up for lost time get that tour kind of packed in especially because you know road to tokyo dome tour will happen those last two uh, nights there in december and everything building towards wrestle kingdom 17 the press conference all that good stuff that they normally do uh towards the end of december building up to january 4th well some of the interesting things that are kind of occurring with this tournament as well um you know Wrestle Kingdom is shaping up as we know at this point, but there are big names that are on the tour like Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tetsuya Naito, who typically would have a big, big match spot for Wrestle Kingdom. And we still don't know what's going on with them. So I would imagine whether it's determined during this tour or at the conclusion of the tour, at some point we're going to find out what their role for Wrestle Kingdom truly is one way or the other. Yeah, and they are doing some angle stuff on the undercards. Look, on today's show, they set up a KOPW match with Shingo and Taichi for Takataichi Mania. Uh, It's happening this month, Um, so that rivalry will continue, and I think that's going to be the last uh, KOPW match for this year, and the winner will be, you know, the 2022 KOPW champion. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I do know that they'd also teased that match during that major 50th anniversary show that didn't make tape for whatever reason, but they still released the backstage comments. But, um, you know, we do still have a couple Road to Tokyo Dome shows, and there's every possibility that some sort of KOPW match lands on one of those shows. That would be traditional. I'm also kind of wondering if they don't, change the rules and make an exception and we wind up with those two guys going at it at wrestle kingdom once again yeah that might be the case you know as we've been talking about with wrestle kingdom being one night this time because the two night format they were using the rambo on night one to set up your klpw for night two we don't have that this year so i that we know of as of right now but i guess i guess you could do the rambo on the pre-show and then on the main card you do or you do the, the KOPW New Year's Dash. I don't know. But um, I think it would just make more sense to just have the Rambo be the Rambo and then just have the, the previous KOPW face off against somebody. And just, yeah, I would think it would be great. Yeah, you started off with Shingo and um, Tai Chi as the first two guys fighting for 2023. You could do that. Or you could just pivot away and maybe give, hypothetically, like let's say Shingo, maybe you give Shingo some sort of special singles match for Wrestle Kingdom that becomes one of those de facto number one, you know, contender matches that they're apt to do. But we just move away from KOPW because it seems kind of superfluous anyways at this point. Yeah. Or, like I mentioned, they could just change the rules. I mean, some people are like, well, you know, this is how KOPW works. Well, it's like, well, the IWGP title used to be something entirely different before (laughs) 1987. So they could just change the nature of the prize altogether you know what i mean right i mean they could just make it a it's just 
the KOPW. A real, a real title. Right, and, and Shingo has been clamoring for there to be a, a title, a championship, not just a trophy, so they could go that direction, uh, keep the same rules, and just say, hey, it's just we don't have the year thing. Like, if you're the champion, you're, you're the champion until you actually lose the belt. I am feeling like with this tournament, though, because there's so many tournament matches and in such a short amount of time, it, it's going to be nearly impossible, even if hypothetically like let's say if you and i were putting in the usual amount of effort that we do for this tournament and then coming on the show and trying to assess it the way we've done in the past how how would either of us ever assess seven nights with that sort of in-depth coverage we don't even do that for the g1 you know what i mean (laughs) right um so that's kind of also i guess in some ways working in our favor with the predicament we're in um and, you know, I don't feel like this tournament is one where it necessitates the live audience that's viewing at home to pay as close of attention to it. Because technically speaking, this is a tournament that has always kind of been on the back burner. I think it's a good way for them to go to smaller towns and make appearances and get those final few dates in and do that portion of live business that they're so prone to do. And a lot of it doesn't play into the greater overall story of New Japan's kayfabe anyways. You know, there will be some story developments, things like that, but it's never anything that's super pertinent or like if hypothetically, if you skipped most of the tag league and then just jumped in at the finals, you're, and I'm not telling you to do that, but there's a lot of people that do or just cherry picked the matches you want to watch. Most people don't miss a beat come January 4th, you know what I mean? Right. And, you know, obviously World Tag League hasn't happened yet as of this recording, but just based off the first night of Super Junior Tag League, I feel like Super Junior Tag League is going to be a real fun tournament to keep track of and keep up with. I'm sure there's probably going to be more matches to watch maybe on that side of things. So I think that's definitely going to be one where people are going to be wanting to check it out because there's a lot of really fun teams, a lot of really good teams um, in this year's tournament. Well, that's the great thing with the Junior Tag League is there's so many returning returning individuals from like this year's best super juniors that are not part of the regular roster and we're getting to see them in a freelance capacity continue to build a legacy and make a name in new japan and maybe even get signed or do further tours down the road as well as a few new additions like chris bay and leo rush and then we got a little bit of that same flavor going on in the world tag league we uh a few weeks ago when we had chris uh Samson here, we kind of discussed that just a bit and talked about the different teams that we're excited about Aussie open and the LA dojo guys and, you know, different things. So there are going to be compelling storylines running through it. And it's not going to be like, you're going to hate your life. If you watch some of these shows, it's just there are seven shows in a week in the middle of Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. And I think we're going to get a better idea of where these teams stand going into 2023, what the trajectory of the uh, tag team division as a whole, both tag team divisions as a whole is. And, um, you know, this is a big Wrestle Kingdom this year and with FTR not on the tour. Whoever wins the World Tag League, like that's going to be a big matchup regardless one way or the other. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, should be good. So I'm going to move on to uh, New Japan Strong. So we had uh, night three of the uh, Showdown Tour. 
The show opened up. We had the return of pretty Peter Avalon. He defeated Kita. Had a pre-match promo kind of running down the crowd there. Um, and, you know, talking about how he's undefeated on Strong, which he is. So now he's uh, 2-0 and on Strong after beating Kita. Really fun opening match there. Then the second match, we had Chris Bay and El Fantasmo. They defeated Blake Christian and Mascara Dorada. Really fun, high-flying match here. Second time we're seeing uh, Blake Christian and Arada teaming up after they, they had faced off um, that tag match a couple weeks ago with, um, who was it, uh, Mystico and um, who else was in that match? Who was, who was Mystico? Oh, Zane, Mystico and Zane. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Blake and Dorada back together again. Really fun tag team, but they could not uh, outwit or out, you know, Maneuver the Bull Club shenanigans. Juice Robinson was on commentary. He threw a water bottle at Blake Christian, who was on the top rope. Distracted Blake Christian, and then um, Chris Bay and ELP able to take advantage and get the win. And then the main event, Homicide, defeats Filthy Tom Lawler with a big lariat. So call back to the Ishii match where Tom lost to a lariat. Once again, it seems like the lariat is Tom's weakness. Uh, lost. Uh, here to Homicide with a big lariat uh, post-match. Homicide grabs the fork, was getting ready to stab him, but then Danny Limelight came in and made the save for uh, Filthy Tom Then cut a promo in the back talking about, you know, both of you guys are my family. Uh, um, I was part of LAX and I'm um, part of Team Filthy, but Tom's the one who's actually had my back first for the last two years. So if you have a problem, you know, we can take us up in the ring. And so Dan Lima and Homicide, I know that match was taped at the uh, Detonation Tour uh, this past weekend. So that match will be coming up on Strong in the future. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, not the best week for Filthy Tom Lawler. Two dude, major losses. Dude, <laughs> last couple of months, I feel like he's been eating a lot of L's <laughs> all over the place. Um, losing to Ishii, losing here to Homicide, loss in, in the mixed tag, historic crossover. Um, I am wondering if maybe this is some sort of buildup with him uh, losing to the same move back-to-back for him to potentially develop some sort of countermeasure to that maneuver that he's going to bust out and kind of progress his character work over in uh, New Japan Strong. I mean, that's just kind of what it's saying to me anyways. Yeah. So yeah, that, it is it, it is surprising though. I did not expect for him to lose to Homicide. Truthfully, neither did I. So yeah, that was yeah really a surprising uh, finish there. So, uh, so yeah, it looks like Homicide will be continuing the feud with Team Filthy faced uh, Dan Limelight on the next tour, and we'll see where Filthy Tom goes from here. Um, then next week's show, we will have uh, Aussie Open. We'll be taking on uh, Jacob Austin Young and a partner. Then Juice Robinson will be taking on Jake something. And then we'll have the big uh, champion versus champion main event. The strong openweight champion Fred Rosser will take on the IWGP world heavyweight champion Switchblade Jay White. And uh, I'm glad Jay White's out there doing something to build this major Wrestle Kingdom match. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm glad he's not resting on his laurels. He's getting out there. Staying active, on the road, putting in the activity, putting in the work, you know, a real champion, you know. Yeah. And he dude. deserves to go on last at WrestleMania <laughs> over Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. <laughs> oh, man. Beautiful. And, and Fred Rosser, man, he cut another wacky promo on this episode of Strong where they were hyping up this 
champion versus champion match. And he was like, you know, I usually don't tell people, or I usually tell people they need to get ready when they're wrestling me, but you're the champion, so I don't, I don't have to tell you that. But just in case, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that. I was like, what? <laughs> I told like, bro. Sometimes I'll be talking to Rich, and um, I'll I'll do my like, uh, freaking Fred Rosser like impersonation, and I'll I'll mess up the promo, and he thinks I'm like messing up the promo. And I'm like, no, I'm purposely messing it up because he messes it up, and that's part of the impersonation. The thing He's is, like, like, I don't know if he like. The one, the one promo we made fun of a couple weeks ago, he messed up. But this one, like, I think he was like, thought he was like hitting on all cylinders and like <laughs> thought it was great. He was like, hey, I'm gonna drop this line. I'm just like, no, <laughs> you're, you're gonna leave with two boots on, the two boots <laughs> on your feet, and the one I'm gonna stick up your ass. <laughs> I'm laying out an open challenge. Whoa, what are you doing out here? Yeah. The, the, the disrespect. <laughs> I challenge any man in the back to come out here and step in Fred Rosser's ring. How dare you step in Fred Rosser's ring? This is my time. Disrespect. Now, how dare you? Why are you out here? <laughs> but it, what are you doing out here? The other thing, too, is when he's like, I am the people's champion, bro. You can't be the people. Unless you're of the caliber of the. I know it's. 2022 and he did that shtick in 2001 or whatever 2000 1999 i know it's been over 20 years right but unless you're at the caliber of performer and of star status as the rock you can't be the people's champ because when you call yourself the people's champ all that does is make people think of the rock and then they look at you and then they they make the comparison and it's like you know one guy was on monday night raw in the middle of the attitude era (laughs) And the other guys on New Japan Strong, as much as I like Fred Rosser, I really do. It's like, my guy, like, you need a different nickname. I think I thought the Suntan Superman was a really good one. You know, right. no no days off. Block the hate. Those are all really good catchphrases. Yeah, those, those, those are cool. Nothing's like he, the, the people's champion. <laughs> right. It's not like he is, I get he is positioned as a number one bay face, but I don't think he's the most over person on that show. Um, so it is what it is, but But at the same time, like his promos are like a guilty pleasure for me like i kind of like like them <laughs> <They're so bad. laughs> yeah i'm like what's he gonna say now what's, what's he gonna say next? The, oh <laughs> like when he comes out like i start rubbing my hands together i'm like oh boy what's this man gonna say next time i can't wait <laughs> <laughs> oh man so a uh, few uh news items here uh tomorrow ishii will be challenging the ocho chris jericho for the roh world title this wednesday on dynamite so that should Siete. be <laughs> that should be a fun fun matchup there. Uh, they need to they need to count his CMLL world title, okay? So Nine times world champion. So you're saying he should be the Nueve? Oh, did I say Siete? See, like I'm Mexican, but like I don't I don't speak Spanish. So is it <laughs> is it Nueve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the Nueve, bro. <laughs> uh, also, he always claims that he was never a world champion as a babyface, but I'm pretty sure like, um, he was babyface in CMLL as world champion. Corazon maybe, de Leon. Yeah. Oh, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I did, I never watched that stuff. I've tried to find some CML footage from him. There's not a lot, but uh, maybe he doesn't count it because it wasn't a world heavyweight championship, quote unquote. But like the world heavyweight champion in Mexico is not the, the world champion. You know what I mean? Like, right. The lower weight class titles are a bigger deal most often. So it's like he's been a world champion. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, also, Kazuchika Okada, he has a uh, voiceover cameo in the Japanese dub of Black Adam. And when asked if he'd like to wrestle The Rock, he replied, Well, as a fellow pro wrestler, I'd like to have a match with him. So, Rock Tokyo. I get, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say Rock Okada Tokyo Dome. Uh, wrestling. I would love that. Um, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, I guess I did just kind of skip over the fact that Jericho and Ishii wrestling each other. <laughs> It was funny when he called uh, Ishii the young boy from from wrestling and romance. Yeah, <laughs> like bro, my guy, you're talking about 1994. <laughs> um, uh, Shibata has an interview up on NJPW1972.com. It's a two parter. It's called "Like Wrestler Like Son," uh, so he spends a lot of time talking about Ren Narita and some of the other uh, LA Dojo young lines. A really cool interview. So go ahead and check that out. That was a great interview. Yeah. Um, and last news item here, Kenta will be going to Combat Zone Wrestling on December 18th for their arrival show. I hope he wrestles my close personal friend, the Demented Butterfly, Fabu. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, Fabs wrestles for know, CZW. You, you told me this weekend that uh, Fabu's been I doing... I think he, like, does main events. I think he's one of the... I don't watch CZW, but I think he's one of, like, the you know, current top guys in CZW. Like, how crazy would that be if, uh, I mean, who knows? That, that could be an excursion match contender. Bro, that would be incredible to, like, review, because it, for those of you that don't know, Fabu is trained by Matt Seidel, so he is a stablemate of mine in the side dojo. So, like, I, this is, he was at my birthday party this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool, like, if we, like, were able to review one of his matches for this show Facing off against, you know, Perezu legend Kenta. Yeah, that would be really dope. <laughs> I'm going to hit him up and be like, yo, you got to politic your way into this match somehow. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move into some questions here. And uh, then a uh, recommended match of the week. Um, so first question, set of questions here from the Dark Soldier. says, going back to the U.S. show from a couple weeks ago, Suzuki called Clark Connors a young boy but shook his hand. Compared to Killer Cross, who Suzuki did not respect, does that mean uh, be like be like Clark and not Cross? I mean, we did talk about that on the show. I can't remember too many times ever in the history of New Japan where uh, Minoru Suzuki paid any sort of respect to his opponent, especially one that was so much lower on the totem pole than him. Uh, so I, I do think that was significant. Yeah, yeah, definitely a big deal there for Clark Connors. Uh, his Orange has proven himself to guys like Shibata and Osprey. What other fun match would should Orange have against a NJPW talent? Also, would you consider Orange one of Chaos's top talent? He is surely better than Yo. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, you know, I I think Yo could be fixed, just like I think Sho could be fixed. But uh, that's got to be one of the great tragedies of modern new japan is like that they've fumbled show and yo at this juncture you know i right, do and they're right where they've been the whole time they're not teaming but they're both like back in the junior tag league not in a big, it's not good not featured in a big match in the tokyo dome like these guys should have been like facing off the junior title this year yeah. after a, a heated rivalry of show turning on yo but sad um I, I think ultimately I'm not that big of a fan of like Orange Cassidy. I, I find him entertaining and I think he works 
on like a you know an AEW show, but like me personally, I don't really want to see him in New Japan, and I feel like if he came to New Japan, I would want him to be slotted pretty low on the totem pole, similar to other comedy acts like Colt Cabana or uh, like Toriano. Like I just, for me personally, I couldn't really take him seriously in New Japan. But I wouldn't mind seeing him wrestle. Like if they, you know, we were supposed to get that Minoru Suzuki match WrestleMania mm. week, and that never happened. That might be fun for like the US Indie AEW, you know, type of match. But I, I don't want to see him come over as All Atlantic Champion. I and I'm not usually like that Bahambung guy that just like, you know, shits on things. But I just think it's a stylistically, it's just it, it's it would be a weird pill for me to swallow to see Orange Cassidy performing in New Japan for wrestling. You know. Yeah, I mean, his gimmick would be kind of a weird presentation in, in New Japan, but, I mean, the guy can go in ring. We, we saw what he did with Osprey at Forbidden Door, and anytime he has a big singles match, you know, guys guys like Pac, like, he always shows out, and it's always a great match. So, I mean, I think he would end up being, you know, pretty good um, in, like, a Super Juniors. Uh, him versus Hiromi would be a fun matchup. I feel like those guys would work really hard. They would never let him do a junior uh, tour. Because they don't see him as a junior, right? Over in AW, yeah. Well, I mean, we they would they would slot him against heavyweights. Well, Utah's not really a, a junior in AEW, and he did did a junior tour. Yeah, but he is young enough to get away, and low enough on the totem pole to get a, get away with doing a junior tour. You know, yeah. Uh, but like, for instance, like there, I I just think there's certain guys that once they get to a certain star level, they probably wouldn't let them do a junior tour unless they're truly. Like, like for maybe Darby Allen is one of the like true quote unquote stars that could get away with doing a junior tour if they wanted. Yeah, but like for instance, like uh, like Jungle Boy, I don't think they would ever let him do a junior tour because they'd want him to be perceived as a heavyweight wrestler. Right, especially at this point where they're they're doing the kind of solo push with him. Exactly. Or like if the Bucks were to wrestle here, they would want them to wrestle for the top tag team title, not the junior title, even right. though they are juniors. Well, I mean, they elevated heavyweight before they left. I know they did, but they're not really heavyweights. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, and last thing here from Dark Soldier says to correct young boy uh, from last week. I think this is actually from a few weeks ago. Says you called uh, Venom a Batman villain when in reality, I'm pretty sure you were thinking of Bane, the man who truly broke the bat. And Venom is a Spider-Man villain. Hell, not even a Spider-Man villain anymore. He's his own man now. God, young boy, it's almost as, as if you don't read comics. Yeah, it, we. I, I make a lot of mistakes on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I don't read comics. I did when I was, like, 12. I haven't read a comic in, like, a decade, honestly. And the main reason why, you know why I don't read comics? I like comics, but I don't read them because the last time I was trying to read them, you had to be buying almost every single issue of every single story that was interwoven between the shared universe mm-hmm. in these that it, it and they were costly. It was very, very expensive that it was like, damn, if I want to know what's going on in this comic, I have to go buy this comic and then I have to go buy this. And you have to, you can't just be reading one title because most of them are not self-contained. They're all inter, you know, and and it's not like it's not like a Stephen King sort of thing where it's like there's a little bread dr- like crumb or like a, a little uh, Easter egg. They're like literally the next part of the story is taking place in Thor's world, 
and then you jump back to spider-man it's kind of crazy you know yeah and it's and it's a money grab well yeah it's just like the the mcu now it's like it's hard for you to just jump into any movie like you have to have watched all the movies to just know kind of what's going on now in the universe so you have to like pay and watch everything it's becoming more so like that but there are still some movies you can get away with watching on its own merit and even though there's allusions to other things you know you might not be as clued in as other people but you can enjoy it on its own i'm talking about like the story concludes and then the next part of the story literally takes place in another comic book and they all release at the same time you have to buy them all you know Mm, and and i was like dude i don't have the money or the time for this i'd rather watch new japan (laughs) (laughs) But he is correct. It was Bane that broke Batman's back in 1993, and then, you know, Bruce Wayne disappeared, and then Osriel came in, and he was the new Batman, and everyone thought he sucked, except for me, because I was a little kid, and I thought he was the <laughs> coolest thing that ever fucking happened. And then, he, and then Osriel started killing people, and that was dope to me. I loved that Osriel was killing people. I was like, he's like Batman, but he murders people. It's great. And then Batman came back and kicked him out. Mm. <laughs> So maybe, maybe did you ever was, see that? I did not. I actually I did not know that. Yeah, Osriel was the new Batman for a little spell. This is the same time when they decided to kill Superman. Mm. Uh, Doomsday, I believe, killed Superman, and they did like a year long saga where he was like dead, and then they had these clones. And yeah, it's a crazy story. Yeah, I used to read a lot of comics. I don't anymore. A lot of lore. Too much lore. <laughs> There's, yeah, too much. Uh, next set of questions here from Les Commission 7252. Who do you guys think fans that are new to wrestling will choose to look up to the most? Hiroshi Tanahashi or John Cena? Uh, I don't know. Fans that are, I mean, that's a pretty open ended question because if you think about it, fans that are new to wrestling, I mean, it prob- depends on who are they going to get exposed to. I don't know. Right. I guess what, what are they like? What are they watching? I mean, if they're right. a new fan in the U.S., I would say obviously John Cena is probably more likely to be exposed to see him. exactly at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think most Western fans, regardless of whether they like wrestling or not, know who John Cena is. He's a pretty big crossover guy, especially with the, uh, you know, the the movies and different and just the the cultural zeitgeist with the the memes. You can't see me, you know. So, I think most people kind of in the West definitely know John Cena to a much greater degree. Yeah. He also asked, I'm going for Naito and Sonata to win World Tag League this year, but if they do win, will that upset many fans that Aussie Open won't be getting the rematch against FTR? Having Naito in the league is probably a back way of having Naito at the Tokyo Dome, or should they go the three-way route where in both teams have a win against one another during the league, and in the finals, they that way both teams have a claim to be in the tag title match at Wrestle Kingdom? I, I don't know that this is going to happen, so don't say keeping it strong style or josh smith is reporting this but i just have the strange feeling that we're gonna get um kijimuto's final match in new japan in the tokyo dome and it's gonna be him and tanahashi against naito and sonata i mean that could work yeah you know muto's last new japan tokyo dome (laughs) match and you build that way um yeah i have a hard time seeing naito and sonata being stuck in in the tag team title match so i feel like there will be something that happens on this tour that will build to either a naito's singles match against somebody or the situation you propose where 
you get Great Muta involved and there's some kind of special tag match. Or something like that. I mean, there could be other options, but I just, I have the feeling considering the history that all three of those men have with Muto that that might be the match they do. Yeah. And just kind of based off of what I'm seeing so far, it seems like, you know, Aussie Open is getting a strong push right now. And uh, I think that the money match there is Aussie Open FTR. Also, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to do any other team against FTR on their own after the promos and the backstage segments that they did at the end of the last, you know, major show that in this story would just be weird at that point. Yeah. Um, let's see. Ask what match would you guys had rather see happen early nineties, Ric Flair versus early 2010s, Hiroshi Tanahashi or surfboard sting versus Kazuchika Okada. Um, I mean, both of those matches sound really cool, but, uh, Surfer Sting against Okada really only works if Okada is in his early cocky heel persona. If he's a baby face and it's baby face, baby face, I don't know. I don't think that works for me. But, uh, you know, uh, Ric Flair versus Tanahashi is really great. But if I was going to go with a Ric Flair, I would not go with early 90s Ric Flair. I'd probably go with like mid to late 80s Ric Flair personally. Yeah, I, I think yeah, a, a Flair Tanahashi match I think to me would be end up being the better match between a, a Surfer Sting and Okada matchup. Uh, just even in that point of Sting's career, I mean Sting was awesome, but I feel like I don't know, I feel like he wasn't always the the, the crispest like entering guy. And no, so, he still isn't. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> well, matter. He's Sting, I, I, but you know the funny thing is Sting's not a surfer. What do you mean? Everyone calls him Surfer Sting. There's never been a, one moment in his entire career where this dude has surfed or had a surfboard or portrayed himself as a surfer on any level. I don't know why people call him Surfer Sting. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where that started. Maybe just maybe the base off the colors, maybe. Yeah, that know. is what it is. Yeah. And because he, like, there's a lot of times where he was at the beach and they call him Surfer Sting, but, like, Sting didn't surf. And, you know, he was a dude of attitude, so, you know, dudes, you know, surfer stuff. <laughs> I guess, but he didn't, he wasn't a surfer. <laughs> I think there is a toy. I found a toy one time that had Sting with the surfboard. That's about it. Hmm. Uh, next set of questions here from Hawaiian Punch BV. It says, how excited are you for Lucha Yota in CMLL? Um. Yeah, I'm very excited. I don't think we've talked about that too much on the show, but. Uh, we did mention that he's finally gone to CMLL. Well, the videos are starting to come out and pretty cool. This I man saw flipping. <laughs> there was one. I saw one major botch he had, which was, uh, you know, also to kind of be expected because it's a whole new experience learning to work. You know, the lucha style. They work from an entirely different side, different timing, different style of wrestling. The rings are different. Everything about it's totally opposite. So. Um, there's definitely gonna be a learning curve there, but I'm, I'm loving the idea that we have a big brawling bruiser type character, a la Kenta Kobashi or, you know, um, Takiyama who also does Lucha Libre. (laughs) (laughs) That's so dope. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm glad he's finally got to live his dream, go to Mexico. Yeah. It's going to be so great for him. Um, other question here. Have you checked out Hiromu's zipper challenge? I saw that thing. It looked like he was jacking off. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, well, the funny thing was, like, I saw, I might have been you or somebody sent like a clip where it was only like his chest up. And I was like, what is It wasn't that? me. 
I was like, what is he doing? But then <laughs> I went on Twitter later on in the day and saw that he was doing this zipper challenge thing. I was like, okay, that makes so much more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, next set of questions here from Barry Walsh. Says, so Suzuki seemingly an indie darling and in getting people excited to see him everywhere he tours overseas. Do you think making him strong champion would gain the brand more exposure and would having a Japanese champion feel more authentic New Japan in a way to the casual fan? I don't think that's a bad suggestion. If there was a guy from Japan to make the strong champion to add some credibility to that lineage, it would probably be either him or Ishii just because of how often they work stateside. I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how much more having him as a champion is going to draw for their shows. I mean, they run pretty small buildings, um, but it, it would definitely be a great addition, a great attraction to those shows and add to that strong lineage to have, you know, a legend like Suzuki holding that title. He also asks, uh, would love to hear your take on a topic I've had my mind on for some time. Do you think there's enough selling in New Japan? I don't mean to sound like I'm down on the product as I'm not at all, but this has been a gripe of mine some time now. Wrestler A beats Wrestler B up for five minutes straight. Then Wrestler B lands one move and is completely fresh or fires up and shows no signs of damage from the previous flurry. I understand the firing up and Okada and Osprey and some others do sell well, but a lot of guys don't seem at all. And sometimes for me personally, it lowers the atmosphere for me on some matches. Is this just me or what do you find fellows think of selling in Shinihan in general? You know, um, I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives when it comes to this subject. And you got to also consider there's a lot of different styles of wrestling. And in some styles, historically selling has been, um, especially like prolonged selling, like limb selling or injury type selling for long periods of the match. That's been something that's been beloved and praised by certain segments of fans, uh, for good reason. Uh, sometimes people hate it, but there's other styles of wrestling like in Lucha Libre or even, for instance, shoot style wrestling where it's just not as important or relevant. And, you know, generally speaking, not to say that New Japan is devoid historically of selling, but, you know, the idea behind it being strong style, the fact that it was more realistic, part of it was the fighting spirit is always been a big part of the culture and the lore, meaning that our wrestlers are able to persevere through more punishment and still perform and still show face and still overcome adversity. And does that mean you, you stop selling? No, not necessarily, but that kind of feeds into that. And there's also the fact that a lot of new Japan's roots come from realistic fighting. And if you think about real fights, not very often that you see people selling injuries for prolonged periods in a dramatic fashion. They actually almost try to, in a no real fight, like, yeah, they try to no sell it or hide it and, and, you know, protect themselves from taking more damage by not giving away the fact that it is injured, uh, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, when I did amateur wrestling in high school and I, I heard something, I didn't like put a bunch of tape around my hurt body part like in wrestling right. to you know the cell and have this you know dramatic story in the match so yeah in a real you know combat situation yeah you you don't want your opponent to know you're hurt and you want to try and fight through the pain as much as possible 
I, I really just think it depends on the performer and the story and the layout that that they're going for. Do I think they that they can do a better job selling in some cases? Absolutely. But, you know, the, the reality is the best wrestlers in Japan typically are the best sellers. And there's no that's not really a coincidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, you know, and we've talked about like Ishii. Ishii does an incredible Ishii, job. That's the name uh, I was just about to say. You took it out of my mouth. After he fires up, like he he goes and he'll he'll fire up and then he'll sell his neck. He'll sell whatever got hurt. And I feel like a lot of guys do that. Like they'll they will fire up, but then they will end up selling. They'll be the double down or they'll do some other. They'll grab a body part and they'll sell after they've kind of, you know, gritted their teeth and fired up. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the best performers in this company over the past, like, let's say, four or five years, I mean, your uh, Tanahashi's, your Okada's, your Will Ospreay's, your Zack Sabre Jr.'s, your Ishii's, Kota Ibushi, people like that, they all are fantastic sellers. And I mean, um, it, it, it just is what it is, you know? I mean, I mean, if you're someone that harps on it and that's what you look for, uh in wrestling then maybe there is an aspect of new japan that won't appeal to you um and for the and and in other respects there's probably some matches that you absolutely like for instance like i think jay white's an an incredible seller as well and i think he's a guy that probably appeals to people that that really love that stuff i've seen entire matches where will osprey well there's a period where people were complaining that he was overselling most things um both vocally and visually but i've seen him work entire matches around an injured body part and still get off all his offense. So yeah, it's just one of those things. And for me, I don't know. I just, I feel like, yeah, there are things like me. I love Macho Man Randy Savage when he sells in the injury and he's climbing the ropes on one leg because he he can't put weight on the other knee. I love shit like that, (laughs) but I've also watched a lot of Lucha. I've watched a lot of Joshi and I've watched a lot of, you know, shoot style wrestling where that stuff's just, not as important and i think it just really depends you know what i mean Um, yeah i think i think that sometimes we box ourselves and the performers in too much by expecting every especially with how amalgamated new japan is when it comes to being a melting pot of various different styles worldwide and truly being an international company they take influence from so many different places I think when we just try to limit what we're viewing to like what was being done in the territories in the eighties or in WWF in the early nineties, you know, we kind of, uh, we try to box them in a little bit too much. And I, I don't think that's a good thing necessarily. Yeah. Uh, so his next question is, uh, when thinking about this, want to hear your take on Narita does when, if Narita does, if Narita does win the tournament and beats ZSJ, not an Ishii along the way. Does he not seem too strong for the TV title? Does beating two borderline main eventers not make sure, not make you almost a world or U.S. title contender? Would him losing in the final, then wrecking the winner after the match, not be a better fit for his character? I mean, I don't think it's too strong. I think that in some regards, we have coddled too many of the returning uh, individuals that have come back from excursion by slow tracking them to a potential major spot on the roster. And I mean, I do understand that the guys that he's gone through have been very impressive and especially Western audiences love 
many of the people that he would ha have hypothetically beaten, like a Zack Saber Jr. and a Sonata and an Ishii. But at the same time, let's be very clear: they're they're contenders. They're not champions. I mean, truth be told, Zack's never even won a title in this company, and Sonata only just won a title this year, and it was not to the greatest uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, results. Um, could that? Could you argue hypothetically that that puts him as a potential title contender for the world title? Yeah, is that a bad thing? No. Why would that be a bad thing? We're in the star making business, baby. We need to be making some stars. You know what I mean? Right. Do I think? I think if he loses, it hurts. Not necessarily. I think that's a compelling story too. But I can't see the downside of him losing. Uh, or the downside of him beating everybody and coming out like a fucking superstar killer. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and you know, like you mentioned, we're, we need to make new stars, and you know, to get this TV title over, like it's a great thing to have somebody who's a star. Like you want somebody who feels and comes off as a star to get this TV title over, so it doesn't turn into just another title or some kind of low card thing. You you want to draw that title. You want to to be in main events of shows. You want that TV title to be a big deal. So what better way than yeah, he beats all these you know top guys and then wins a tournament overall. And inevitably, the 15-minute time limit is going to be a major storytelling device when it comes to something like this. Okay, you went in there and you won the tournament in 15-minute matches. Okay, that doesn't mean just because you beat a top contender, which is a great accomplishment, in, in a uh, even if you did it in a convincing fashion, that doesn't mean you're going to beat Kazushika Okada. In a six or Jay White in a sixty-minute time limit match, it's a totally different. It's it's a different animal altogether. It's like comparing a thirty-minute G one style matchup to a sixty-minute world title match. We've seen so many times where someone can get it done in the G one when when it's a thirty-minute time limit, and you know the guy they're facing has gone through hell, and it's and you know the, just the environment and the framework is totally different. That's going to apply to someone that's a TV champion that makes their name. They're going to have to jump up a whole new level to start having the 60-minute main event New Japan-style matches. And inevitably, we're going to see someone, whether it's him or whoever, that makes their name in the TV title division and then tries to make that jump. And then it's like, oh, this is not <laughs> you know, the same thing. And you're going to see those guys that are front runners that are deadly for the first 15 minutes of a title match and then get dragged out into the deep water. And it's like, Oh, I wasn't ready for this. That's going to be awesome when that happens. Right. I bet it, I bet it's Narita. I bet Narita will be the guy that wins this belt. And then when he tries to jump to the heavyweight division, he's not ready for his first title match. Right. Yeah. Like you mentioned, he'll, he'll be a killer in the first 15 minutes. And then yeah, after that 15 minute call, he's going to be a little bit, a little bit gas. He's, he's not going to be yeah. as, as crisp. Bro, this title sounds so much cooler when you when when we when you put it into the that context of like how it's going to change the dichotomy of how they perform in other settings and situations. I love it. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, last set of questions here from Viking Pain says, uh, was it a mistake for Wrestle Kingdom 17 to be a one night show instead of a two night show like in the previous years? With already six matches on the card and more to come, plus the pre show. We could be looking at a six-hour-plus show. I'm okay with it, but I'll tell you this. All killer, no filler. That's this year's Wrestle Kingdom, baby. Hey, if your favorite doesn't get on, fuck them. I don't care. I want the best show possible. 
And if and if a great talent like a Tomohiro Ishii doesn't make it on the show, so be it. Yeah, dude, I, I'm right there with you. I miss the days of having these super cards where it was, you know, you only had so many spots and if certain guys couldn't make it, oh well. Like, I, I miss these one-day Wrestle Kingdoms. We don't have to worry about the double gold dash and all this convoluted stuff and doing all this extra fluff just because you have two nights. Like, you're getting one night and... Wrestle Kingdom matches or shows are paced great. And we were talking about this this weekend, watching, you know, full gear. Like, Wrestle Kingdom matches, they will start off. They'll start off with that Rambo, those pre-show matches. Then you'll have your... Build. They build. You have your hot junior opener, and then it keeps building, 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 building until you get to that last stretch of matches, and they're all incredible. There is no death spot match on Wrestle Kingdom shows. Those last four matches are all in that four-and-a-half to five-star range. It's incredible. And yeah, it is a six hour day, but it's great. You're watching one of the best shows of the year, um, especially with this car. You're having Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, and uh, FTR is going to be on the card. You have the IWGB women's title, TV title, like all these big matchups. Like, this is going to be an awesome show. Listen, if, if some of your favorites, whether it's a Hiroshi Tanahashi or a Sonata or an Ishii or a Shingo or an ELP doesn't make it on the show, do better next year. Get to a higher spot on the card. Get over. Get over. Okay? And if you're not over it, get over it because this is New Japan Pro Wrestling. We, we, we got to wrap it up because, uh, you know, we're coming up to the, the 9 o'clock hour. But uh, let's knock out these last two questions. Yep, so then he says, who is the finesser of the year? Kiji Muto, Carl Anderson, or Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> well, that's going to be a, a a question for you guys to answer when it comes to One Nation Radio Awards. It's a different award show and different <laughs> different podcast altogether. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I give my vote to uh, Jeff Jarrett, this guy. <laughs> well, you know, their award is named after Jeff Jarrett, and usually... I don't she... think he can win the award. Right, but I think they, they might try to make a case this year, though. But, I mean... Just going Muto. off, of, it might be Muto. Yeah, if, if Jared can't win, then probably Muto. But uh, I don't know. I think I feel like Jared. I feel like Jared's earned it. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, his last question: uh, Tanahashi, Naito, and Shingo are big main eventers that don't have current built Wrestle Kingdom seventeen. What do you think all three men are going to be doing at the biggest show of the year? I think Tanahashi and Naito will be working some sort of match with Kiji Muto. That's just my personal inclination. I think Shingo will be doing something re- revolving around the KOPW title. Don't be surprised if we get a uh, definitive final match between him him and ELP this year. Yeah, I mean, Shingo, I mean, I don't know if they're going to bring back... Or, I'm, I'm sorry, I meant Taichi. Disregard. Uh, I don't know if they're going to bring back the never-open-weight six-man gauntlet, but I could see some kind of, you know, Shingo, Sonata, and Hiro... Or not Hiroshi, somebody, some kind of six-man... I'm okay with them doing something like that, too. I'm, that's fine. Yeah. All right, uh, last thing here real quick, uh, recommended match of the week. So last week I recommended for you to watch Akira Hokuto and Bull Nakano from uh, Collision in Korea from uh, 1995. What do you think? You know, um, Jeremy, this match was it, it was just something that was kind of unique because there's not a lot of women's matches that have ever made tape in New Japan. But, you know, this was taking place at during one of those days of collision in Korea. And um, there's a lot of like, did you watch this match? Yeah. There's a lot of crowd response that I'm a hundred percent convinced is not authentic in any way. I think it was almost all exclusively added in post. 
it just sounds very bottle sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, it sounded really weird. Um, so there's that aspect to it. And then the match structure, they only gave them like eight minutes. So as talented as these girls are, they went out there, they had a uh, what I think was an admirable performance, but with very little crowd response and a strange atmosphere and a limited uh, amount of time. I mean, I don't, the match was pretty much a sprint. Bull Nakano comes in, clotheslines Hakuto right out the gate, works a prolonged uh, heat segment. It's not really doing much for the crowd. And then they start going into the big dives during the comeback. Both girls are jumping off shit. That part's cool. They start dropping each other on their heads. And then uh, pretty soon it's over. You know, um, they. I think they went out there and they, they try to get in some of their best stuff in a very short amount of time. And it, it was fine for what it was. But considering the level of legend that these two women are, uh, at this point in time in their careers and the stage, this is almost kind of more of just an oddity and a unique little piece of business more so than a, a great match or anything like that. I'd probably go, I don't know, two and two and three quarters, maybe <laughs> three stars if I'm being generous, you know? Yeah. And maybe with the right crowd and the right setting, it might have been different. Yeah, I think definitely it's it's more recommended. I think just from a from a spectacle kind of standpoint, a history standpoint. But yeah, definitely these ladies definitely have much better matches in their catalog. Um, then you recommended for me to watch uh, Nakashima, Nakajima and uh, Kano versus Kojima and Tagura from Pro Wrestling Noah's um, Pro Wrestling Love Forever Three show um, for the uh, GHE Tag Team Titles. A uh, really good, hard-hitting matchup here. Um, seeing kind of some of the story of, you know, of Kano and Nakajima not being happy that Kojima's in Noah and winning titles and stuff like that. So these guys trying to get the tag team belts off of him and Segura. And uh, I feel like majority of the match uh, towards the beginning, there was a lot of heat on Segura and him kind of getting beat down, which then led into Kojima making a hot tag and him kind of running a while, but then, um, Kano and Nakajima were kind of able to cut him off and get the heat on uh, Kojima. Once again, leading to a hot tag for Segura. Him kind of coming in, cleaning house, doing a lot of power moves, and then um, kind of breaking out on the end. A lot of big kicks and strikes from all four men towards the end. Um, Kojima gets in as a legal man again and ends up hitting uh, three uh, big Western lariats on uh, Nakajima to win the match and retain the titles of him and Segura. So yeah, really uh, fun matchup here. Uh, crowd, uh, the crowd loved uh, Kojima. This was a cheering crowd. You know, the, um, the Bakayaro uh, chant got was big when he was doing the machine gun chop. So it uh, seems like, you know, Noah fans are really appreciating what Kojima's doing over there. And so, yeah, it was a really fun matchup. Um, I'd go like four stars on it. Okay, well that's a that's a great rating, and I uh, I heard really good things about that match. So you know, good looking out. Sounds like it's not gonna probably make the uh, the cutoff for this year's uh, excursion match, of the year contender. Yeah, probably not. Gotcha. Well, um, let's wrap it up for this week's um, recommended match of the week. I figured I'd give you something kind of different, a little bit unique. Um, we're gonna go to the two thousand and five. G1 Climax Finals as Masahiro Chono takes on Kazuyuki Ujida. Nice. 
then for the uh, excursion match of the week, we'll go with this Wednesday's AEW Dynamite as Tomohiro Ishii will challenge Chris Jericho for the Ring of Honor World Title. What a cop out! <laughs> <laughs> Making it easy. We're gonna watch Dynamite anyway, so <laughs> actually, I'm I'm gonna be out. <laughs> um, you know what though I was okay I was gonna go see Glass Onion but it looks like I'm going out out and then I'll be flying out the next morning early so maybe while I'm out I can uh you know finagle my way into getting them to turn on a little bit of TBS action you know what I'm saying yeah well that's gonna wrap the show up for us this week next week we'll be back to uh, give you an update on the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow the network at Social Suplex on Facebook, facebook.com slash Social Suplex, Instagram at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Wednesday Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd and Austin. The AW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And the Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny Kugler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.